Talk Live. Sounds like I've been doing radio for a while. Uh, you have a voice for radio, my friends. That is a fact. Thanks, brother. Uh, welcome. It is Free Talk Live. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. The telephone number, if you would like to join in the conversation, is 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's... <gasps> The authentic Lord Reverend Dr. Captain Kickass Buckshot Esquire, if you will, LLC. Joining me, Riley. And Nikki. Uh, Riley, you were mentioning to me earlier that uh, you had not been on a Sunday night previously. That's correct. I've never been on a Sunday night. I've been on a Saturday night with Mark and Ian and, and yeah. probably some other people, but never on a Sunday. So I'm really excited to try out the Sunday show and see how I like it. Welcome. And, Thank you. Uh, and of course, Nikki, a staple of the Sunday night program she is. for quite some time. Try to be. Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally uh, I'm a paperclip. <laughs> you mean like Clippy? The, the yes, little, yes. Little like a, what, yeah, on uh, Word. <laughs> I love the Clippy memes, right? Where it's like, it's saying libertarian stuff. It's like, yeah. you don't think taxation is theft. Are you some kind of dumbass? Right? <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, what am I missing? Oh yeah, Captain's Log, start date zero two zero four two zero two four. All right, I think the formalities. Yes, I think you got all of them. All right, thanks, man. Thanks yeah. for keeping me on my toes. Of course, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. <laughs> here to keep you on your toes. I mean, I listen to the show enough, I could probably memorize a lot of the bits. Yes, and uh, <laughs> while I'm thinking about it, uh, Riley does. Uh, he produces the digest version of Free Talk Live for us. Uh, that is to say, he does a bunch of work. He gets uh, a copy of every three-hour episode yeah. that we do, and he, uh, you know, sort of uh, pulls the greatest hits out of everyone and, you know, gets it down to, what, about 45 minutes or so? Uh, about 55 minutes. Okay, probably. all right. So, shortens it up. So, if you uh, don't have three hours a day uh, to listen to the program, why, that's okay. Yeah, you can get, down to an hour. You can get sort of the Cliff Notes version. Yep. Uh, Riley, if people want to, because you don't get paid for this unless people donate, how do people donate to you? Um, I have Patreon page available. It's on the description every time I upload the show. So okay. the, the digest at least. Excellent. Uh, so uh, if you you know feel inclined as a listener to help Riley out, please do so. Yes, please do. Uh, I want to talk about, <laughs> we do have a number two story, but we're not going to lead with that. Can't uh, lead with the number two story. No, you got to wait till the uh, number two story time. I think we did lead with the number two story one time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, well, it didn't go well. Or it did, but like we were like, yeah, we should, probably shouldn't do that again. Yeah. Uh, this, <laughs> this story was not written by libertarians. It was not written for libertarians. Uh, however, <laughs> it's very libertarian. And you'll see what I mean. This from CNN Business. Over at CNN.com, or as I like to call it, the Criminal News Network. They are a criminals new, criminal news network for sure. They talk about the criminals in D.C. a lot. Fulton County government outage, colon, cyber attacks bring down phones, court site, and tax systems. Yay! Yay! 
You had to mention the colon, didn't you, Captain? Uh, well, <laughs> especially after the number two story. <laughs> yeah. After I mentioned the number two story. Yep. Uh, an ongoing cyber attack against Georgia's Fulton County, which includes parts of Atlanta, has brought some of the government systems to a standstill, halting access to court filings, tax processing, and other services. Yay! 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 Nicely done. Yeah, absolutely. Take them all down. We don't need this institution. <laughs> I told you this would be fun. Uh, <laughs> the outage has not been resolved. Yay! Yay! And it is unclear when systems will return to normal. Thank goddess for that. Oh, yay. Uh, The office of the county district attorney, Fonnie Willis, lost access to its phones, internet, and the court system website, according to a source with direct knowledge of the matter. Willis indicted indicted former President Donald Trump and 18 co-defendants in a 2020 election subversion case. I don't know why they're mentioning that. Officials have not declared any connection between the attack and the election subversion case. So, Uh So by saying there's no connection... They're insinuating that there is a connection. Yeah. Yeah, it's what government does. They, they say, oh, there's no connection here, blah, blah, blah. And, and the people, the plain normies out there are going to be, of course there's no connection. But there is a connection. The communication, court, and tax systems have all been brought down, said Fulton County Board of Commissioners Chairman Rob Pitts. <laughs> that guy's the Pitts. Yeah, for sure. He, he's a, his job is definitely the Pitts, I'm, I'm imagining. Oh, uh, yeah. A source with firsthand knowledge in Fulton County told CNN the Internet and Odyssey court systems are down as well. Odyssey court records at one point said the system could be down until February 5th or later, Mm. which is pretty great. Uh, They were later updated to remove the timetable. So they originally estimated that they'd be back up by the 5th, and then they were like, hey, guys, let's not put a time on this. We don't don't, don't really know. Let's not embarrass ourselves more than we already have. Well, you know, government does a terrible job at doing things anyway, so, you know, they don't want to embarrass themselves even further. Yeah, uh, this goes back to something I learned uh, a long time ago. Uh, Under-promise, over-deliver, right? So if you know a task is going to take you, you know, five hours, and your boss is like, hey, how long will it take you to get that task done? You go, ten hours. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Uh, That makes sense. And And then they go, okay, that's fine. And then when you get it done in like seven, they're like, wow, great work. You got that done under budget, you know, under budgeted time anyway. Yeah. You know, you got it done early. Wow, what a great worker you are. And you're like, yes, yes, I am. Sandbag a little bit, right? You know? <laughs> That's a good idea. I'll have to try that next time. Uh, it happens in the in the tech world a lot, too. Like, people ask, you know, if there's an outage or, you know, if there's some connection problem. They're like, well, what's the ETA before it's back up? And, and you go, oh, it's going to be a week. And like a week, really? Yeah, you have to find alternative means. And then, like, if it's fixed in a day, you call them back up and like, "Hey, good news! And you're crack, a hero, our right? Our crack team yeah. of technicians, you know, totally got on the case and fixed it all. And you're back up. Like, oh, wow, that's awesome! You guys are awesome. Thanks. I hope it's not a team of crack technicians. Not a crack smoking team of right. technicians. Yeah, we don't need that. It's it's like it'd be more like. I the, feel like they'd probably actually do a pretty good job. Well, <laughs> they'd be they'd like prob- on the ball, you know? They might. You never know. Uh, it, it it'd be more like the uh, the crack team of commandos that comprised the A-team back in the 80s. Yeah. Right. Uh, Moving on. Pitts said Monday that the cyber attack had caused a widespread system outage and that the investigation was still in the preliminary stages. We at Fulton County take cybersecurity seriously, and we place a high priority on the protection of sensitive information, Pitts said. 
At this time, we are not aware of any transfer of sensitive information about citizens or employees, but we will continue to look carefully at the issue. Access to property tax transactions and the justice system, including firearm registry, marriage licenses, etc., were limited during the outage, and the county's Department of Information Technology is working to address the issue according to a statement on its website. The FBI in Atlanta told CNN it was aware of the incident and is in contact with Fulton County's IT department, but would not comment on specifics of the cyber attack. Huh. I wonder why. Interesting, yeah. Because, well, I mean, so here's the thing. Even though it's 2024, uh, most governments are running on something that resembles antiquated tech systems. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Because it doesn't surprise me. Because governments don't move quickly. Right? They're, no, they're constantly like 20 years behind yeah, everything else. Yeah, it's like a you know 300-pound gorilla that they're wrestling with. Yeah, well, government never ha- wants you to have wants to have the latest and greatest in technology for some reason because they're always out bloated. Well, there's, and, there's no incentive yeah, for really them isn't. to do a good job. Right. They're getting paid anyways, yep. so you might as well do a crappy job and you know pocket the rest of the money. Yeah, and then, of course, when government can't do the job, which is most of the time, uh, they outsource it, so they'll find, you know, some uh, obviously favored contractor, you know, with some some ties to whomever's you know in office at the time to award the contract for whatever software or systems that they're using to, and they will of course overcharge the government. I know of tech companies who do this. They refer to these contracts as cash cows. Yeah. Right. So you're you're a, a software company. You have this piece of software government wants to use. You might. You might deploy it in the regular market, right, at a certain price or whatever, but the price for the government is going to be roughly double that because they can and the government doesn't care. Yeah, there's really no incentive for them to keep prices low or to provide adequate service at all. Right. Uh, The FBI routinely advises the public and private sectors about cyber threats in order to help them guard against the actions of cyber criminals. I I don't know why a team of criminals... Of of these criminals are advising other against other criminals. Yeah, other criminals. That's kind of yeah. ironic. Yeah. Makes no sense to me. If it makes sense to you, six zero three two eight three six one six zero. The FBI said in a statement, uh, "We work with our interagency partners to identify, pursue, and defeat all those who partake in cybercrime." Like, okay, thanks. I don't recall the FBI ever routinely advising the public about cyber threats. Do you? No. Not very often, no. Okay. Didn't the FBI get hacked by oh, yeah, yeah. cyber or whatever? Yeah. Cyber criminals. Yeah, yeah, or, you know. Or themselves or whatever. Yeah, it was probably like a, you know, a temp employee or something that plugged like a USB drive into, yeah. you know, a computer yeah. or something. The wrong computer. <laughs> you know. Yeah. The wrong time. But that happens quite a bit, though, where they're, um, where they get hacked and then it's like, oh, all of these people's information got leaked. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, continuing on, ransomware attacks and other hacking threats have for years plagued state and local governments. I, See, I, I told you. I don't know if they've plagued them, though. I mean. Yeah, that does sound kind of dramatic. Yeah. And it also begs the question, especially if this is coming from CNN, right? So they're kind of like on the, the government team, yeah. so to speak. They pretty much are, yeah. It's kind of embarrassing to admit, like, oh, they've been plaguing them for years. It's like, you guys can't get your security in order? 
Yeah. I mean, I don't get hacked regularly. Yeah. Uh, you it's know. not really that hard. Well, I mean, you'd think in the government too, right? Oh, it's the government. You'd think they'd have all the resources to have passwords that aren't password one, two, three. Well, but yet, if there was, most they usually do. That is usually the password. They're generally not the smartest people on earth, the government people. But if they were, they'd be a deadly force to reckon with, for sure. Yeah, we don't need them getting any smarter, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so at any rate, uh, they've plagued uh, state and local governments, which often don't have the money and personnel to deal with the threat. Oh, but they've got plenty of money to keep dropping bombs. Absolutely. Well, the bombs... Don't you know, Captain, the bombs and the bullets and the things like that are the way we got to keep the people in fear and subjugation. One day they might be bombs, too. To be fair, this is at the state level, so they have plenty of money for the bomb squad. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and the SWAT the team. Squad, the SWAT teams. The Raiders are going to raid Ian's house. You know, the, 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 the important things. The police course. tanks that they buy from the military. Yes. Or are given to, for, or, the, or that the military gives them. Yeah. Uh, in 2018, the city of Atlanta was hit with a ransomware cyber attack that cost the city millions to restore, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. A 2019 attack on the city of Baltimore, that's Baltimore for those of you not from the area, <laughs> Baltimore. Got it. A 2019 attack on the city of Baltimore computers halted the city's ability to process water billing payments for three months. Yay! Yay! That's great. I love it when that happens. Uh, Baltimore officials estimated at the time that the ransomware attack would cost the city at least... Eighteen million dollars. Um, the gonna, city, right? I, I'm oh, the just, city. You mean the taxpayers? Is, right. Is what it it's costs. not costing the city. The, the city is yeah. just the city is just a group of people. Right. It's just an idea. In January 2022, two separate cyber attacks disrupted public services in New Mexico's most populous county with one forcing the Albuquerque public school system to temporarily close and another knocking out cameras at a local jail. Whoa, oh, yay! Wow. yay! The children are finally free. <laughs> Save the children. Isn't that funny that yeah. all these outages are, are yeah, how great did this, at, I mean, how at did, stopping government? How did that even affect all of that stuff? Like, I'm so confused. Um, I don't know the details of that particular case. It just doesn't seem like but, I, that. Just seems unlikely to me, you know. Yeah, that it would affect all of those things. It, it can happen. Uh, U.S. cybersecurity officials are trying to shore up the defenses of state and local governments with federal money. <laughs> you mean taxpayer money again? Yeah, or money they've printed off so they can inflate the currency and make your money more and more worthless. And develop a program to warn companies and organizations that might be vulnerable to hacking threats. So they're basically going to develop a program that says, Dear government, uh, you are vulnerable to cyber attacks. If you didn't know that already from the cyber attack that just happened. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to warn themselves. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> anyway, that's the whole story. I just, it, I love that story. Again, not written by libertarians for oh, yeah. libertarians in any way, shape, or form. But man, when I read that, every almost every other paragraph, I'm like, yay! This is so great. Yay. We want more outages in government. We want the whole and infrastructure like, to go away. I I I spent a lifetime in tech uh, before I moved to New Hampshire. Uh, but like, I'm no programmer. I don't write code. Right. I basically did uh, different versions of tech support, tier two, tier three, stuff like that. Uh, I did some telephony, uh, a whole bunch of telephony, actually. But, like, I am surprised 
that this isn't commonplace, right? I'm surprised that more of this is not happening, specifically because things like uh, Bitcoin uh, and other cryptocurrencies were developed by uh, what we'll call, uh, there's actually a name for these for these people, uh, and I can't remember it off the top of my head right now, uh, but I'll remember it in a minute. Uh, but like these these people all you know developed this sort of thing. Uh, the the cypherpunks that's the term I was searching for. The cypherpunks, right? So these are uh, kind of like Satoshi Nakamoto, anonymous people who contribute code to uh, work uh, of groups, right? And then they will. Some of them are white hat hackers. Some of them are black hat, red hat. You know, who, I don't know what kind of hat they're wearing, but <laughs> like I don't know what any of that means. Yeah. Um. Uh, so white hat uh, hackers are. People who businesses or governments contract to to determine where their vulnerabilities are. Okay. So, so they will pay okay. them to that purposely yeah. purposely try and hack into their systems. It's like a reverse kind yeah. of yeah, yeah, reverse hacking. Now, so to speak. Now, sometimes though, it turns out uh, if you pay attention to that kind of news, uh, sometimes it turns out that they're the same people. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> a white hat guy can be a black hat guy. That's yeah, you know that kind of a thing. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it, it is pretty interesting. Uh, and then some of these uh, ransom attacks uh, have been, uh, some of them, not, I don't know if all of them, but uh, they have been uh, where they demand crypto of some kind, right? They're like, hey, we've seized your systems and you can't have them back until you've paid us you know, a million dollars in crypto or mm-hmm. whatever it is, right? Uh, That's why people are like, Bitcoin bad. Bitcoin uh, is very bad. We've got, Criminals. We've got an update on that, too, Yeah, uh, a little later in the show, uh, because there is some, some news surrounding Bitcoin, uh, something that uh, the man, if you will, uh, has uh, has done. <laughs> the man with a magical title. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the guy <laughs> in the chair. Right? <laughs> yeah. As I like to always point out, um, way too many people on planet Earth or at least in the United States, are under the impression that uh, it's it's because their guy's not in the chair, that's why things are bad. Oh, right, yeah. And, and things would be better if it was only their guy in the chair, if their guy's not in the chair. Even though it doesn't make any difference or if, which guy is in the chair. Right. Or if their guy is in the chair, they're afraid that if the other guy gets in the chair, things will be worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And then it's the always the same. It's always going back and forth between the parties. What these people fail to recognize is that it's the chair. Oh, of course. And these people with magical titles like president, apostle, prophet, congressman, senator, I'm naming off a bunch of titles yeah. that are absolutely, totally meaningless. People with titles, ladies and gentlemen, people with titles are just people with titles. And the reason why this is important to remember is because that people with titles don't know any more than you do and don't have any more rights than you do to govern anyone else. They're just people with titles. What do you think about that, Captain, considering you're a man with many titles? I mean, one of the reasons <laughs> that I have so many titles is to make fun yeah. of people with titles. Yeah. Right? So, like, uh, instead of instead of just sitting here going, I, I don't like the titles and, you know, that kind of thing, I'm like, yeah. well, let me demonstrate how ridiculous yeah. these titles are. <laughs> I'll just have a bunch of them. Yes. And yes. some of them are earned. Some of them were bestowed upon me. Yes. Uh, like the doctor was a, a caller. Yeah. Called in, honorary like, doctorate. Honorary, yeah. yes, gave me course. an honorary doctorate. Um, and if Paul McCartney can have one, I'm sure you can have one. Yeah. Why not? I, I'm waiting for like, oh, I don't know, a prince or a queen or somebody to, oh, yeah. to, to call up and like knight me. <laughs> yeah. There you know? go. <laughs> Be a duke or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about that. 
<laughs> not feeling very dukish. Okay. Or or you could be a, a knight. Yeah, definitely a knight. Definitely Sir Captain. Yeah. Captain sure. Kick-ass. Oh man. <laughs> one of the one of the the detriments of getting older is uh, you get a lot more siring when you're in your daily life, your interactions. Right. You're like, I was at the grocery store, and uh, there's this one particular store I go to. I don't have one of these one of these like shopper cards, right? Where you're like, oh, you if you have the shopper, you get whatever, points or yeah. a discount, or and they track all your purchases and, and yeah. all that kind of crap, and and who knows what else they do with the information. And I'm just like, no, I don't want that. But uh, this one store, like, if you ask, they'll they'll let you use like the the in house card so you can get the discount. Nice, you know. Uh, and so I do that as a matter of routine, but I don't make it seem routine, right? I'm like, ah. Oh, Hey, can I use your in-house shopper Forgot card? Forgot mine. I, I insinuate, right? I don't go, uh, shopper card, right? I don't demand it. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. hey, man, can I, you know? And they go, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. And they let me use their shopper card. Um, I had a point, and I don't remember what it was. <laughs> what were we talking about? Shopper you like card, discounts? Discounts. <laughs> uh, your point has eluded you. Yeah. Well, it'll come back. Anyways. Yeah. Even if it doesn't. <laughs> The show must go but on. Even if it doesn't, that was pretty good. Uh, in, an insider scoop for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have a points card at like Stop and Shop or wherever, yeah, just ask the cashier. Man, I had a larger point too. <laughs> oh, well, again, getting old. Right, well, that was that was what I was oh, talking sir. about. Yes, getting old. You were right. talking about getting old. Yes. And so when, yes, I, when, I, when I asked him for the shop, he's like, "Oh yes, sir." And I'm like, "Oh God, really? It's better than a ma'am." <sighs> well, you're gonna get that. Pretty soon. Yeah, maybe. You know, it, it might take you a little while. But, I mean, you're about to have a kid and all. You're probably getting it already, right? Yeah, not quite. Is that public but... information? I'm sorry. I just like, you know. Eh. Now it is. Okay. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> sorry, Nikki. <laughs> you're just going to out me like that? <laughs> You've been doxxed. <laughs> we now know where you live. Yeah. Yes, sir. Wait, no. Uh, that's what I was complaining about. Uh, we do have a number two story coming up, uh, which is... <laughs> I don't even know what to think of it. I've only been able to breeze through the first couple of sentences, so we'll get to that. The telephone number is 603-283-6160. If you would like to join us, it's Nikki, Riley, and the captain tonight here on the Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. Don't go anywhere. Insatiable desire for freedom. We have been enslaved for all our lives. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. It is Free Talk Live, the Sunday night edition. If you don't know what Free Talk Live is, please visit freetalklive.com. Find out all about us and our fine program. 
We are a live call-in radio program, nationally syndicated and also on the internet, so you could say we're global. We could definitely say that. We do have a satellite broadcast somewhere. I think it's over sub-Saharan Africa, actually. Uh, yeah, I, I think so, yeah. I'm, I'm not certain of the details, but that, that seems to jive with my knowledge. I like to think that we're intergalactic. Oh, yeah, that sounds better to me. Well, at least uh, like the Beastie Boys one song. of the two co-founders uh, has claimed at some point in the past to be an intergalactic space king. One of the co-founders. I wonder who, I wonder which one yes. that was. Well, it's not Ian. If that narrows it down a little bit for you. Which one of them would do that? Mark. No, I just added him. Um, <laughs> I was recently, I don't remember what happened. I saw like an old photo from, I don't know, eight years ago or something. Uh, I don't remember exactly when, but Mark had dyed his hair like green. Really? Yeah, I remember for, hearing about that. He did it for a fundraiser. Yeah, it was a fundraiser thing. It was like, if we hit you know this amount of go, I'll dye my hair green or something. Yeah. And so he did. And he kept it that way for a little while, at least enough to have a bunch of photos taken of it or whatever. <laughs> and he kind of reminded me of like, uh, w- without the makeup, uh, the, the Batman villain, the Joker. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Kind of like that. Okay. You know? Uh, so anyway, I, I don't know why I brought that up. Oh, because he's the intergalactic space king. He actually That had is a-, a very intergalactic, like alien- Type color, right? And right. he had he had a crown too. So I wonder where the crown s- went. Uh, he, I'm sure he still has it. I think he does because we looked for it occasionally. He went to Porkfest a couple years ago, at least. Okay, I saw him walking around, <laughs> dressed like a, I like leg royalty. <laughs> He's got like the what is what do they call the royal cane? Right. The it's scepter. not really a cane, the scepter, yeah. yeah. With like with the, the jewel on the top and oh, the, wow. like, the cape. And he's got the cape, yeah, yeah with the big puffy collars <laughs> or whatever. That's hilarious. Uh, that would be that would be fun. Um Hey, are you tired of the oppressive rules and moderation of big tech social media sites? Yeah. Well our Mastodon server at social.freetalklive.com can set you free. Excellent. Mastodon is free, open source, decentralized, and federated. Multiple apps are available for iOS, Android, Windows, Mac, and Linux. Social.freetalklive.com. All right. We should probably move into our number two story. Oh, wow. The number two story. The second one of the night. It's that time. Yeah. Wait, the second one? Is it the second one? We we only have one number two story tonight that I'm oh. aware of. Okay. I and guess we'll do this one. Are you, are you counting the cyber attack as a number two story? I don't know what I'm counting as a number two story. Right. I'm going to count this one as a number two story. All right. All right. We're good. Just just so we're clear, it goes yeah. one and then two. Yes. <laughs> I guess what I was thinking is that this is the, not the second number two story, but the second story we've covered this evening. Like, Hence the number two story. Yeah. I got you. All right. Uh, and you brought this in. Yes, I did. Which, excellent, by the way. Excellent work, sir. Well, thank you. I mean, I figured I'm going to be on the Sunday night show, and this is a, a shtick you guys do, so I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll use yeah. it. Got to do your part. For yeah. those who may not have listened to the Sunday edition of Free Talk Live before, uh, we we started and have kept this tradition of just being a little bit lighter than the rest of the Free Talk Live shows, uh, because it's Sunday, right? Day, day to relax. You know, uh, most folks, uh, if you've got like a Monday through Friday job, you know, you're relaxing at the end of the day. You want, you know, something, uh, a lot of stuff we talk about is heavy. We're going to talk about some heavy stuff a little bit later, but let's talk about this number two story, shall we? This from theguardian.com, crime and punishment 
Flags planted in dog feces spark L.A. mystery. Hmm. Uh, the subheading is rogue messes in the Venice neighborhood have been labeled with accusatory messages. No one knows who's behind them. <laughs> so there's some mysterious person uh, planting these flags. These look like they're on maybe like it's bigger than a toothpick. Uh-huh. Um, you know, maybe like a small dowel. Something like that. Okay. And then a white flag, and then they just write on it with, like, a Sharpie marker. Uh, And they show pictures. One of the flags uh, in a pile of poo says, get therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Another one says, no, with a period. And then another one says, lazy, with two lines underneath it. That's funny. So we're not sure what they're getting at. A street artist... In the Los Angeles neighborhood of Venice is turning mounds of abandoned dog poop into tiny works of social commentary. For weeks, local residents say pieces of poo on the side of the road have been marked with small white flags, each with a unique aggrieved message for those who fail to clean up after their pets. Oh, so this is... So That's the city's a social got- commentary on what happens when people abandon their dog feces. <laughs> When did the the whole, when I was growing up, it wasn't uh, illegal for like you to take your dog to the park, let him poo, and then walk away. You didn't have to carry around the little bag. You didn't have to get the, the scooper. You know, you didn't have to toss it in the trash or whatever, that kind of a thing. I think, like particularly in the parks, they hired people to do that. Right? Somebody's job huh. was to, you know, walk the park, you know, a couple times a day, picking up the dog poo. That kind of, some people would voluntarily pick up their own dog's poo. Yeah, I would think that would be the owner's responsibility. Yeah, but like there was a time for a long time uh, where this wasn't mandated by uh, governments. Yeah. Right? Like, it is biodegradable. It is. Of uh, course it is, and it's good fertilizer. It, yeah. it totally is. I mean, there are some problematic areas. Like I, I would think, you know, like if my kids are playing in the park or if I'm like walking down the street in New York City and it's on the sidewalk, <laughs> like there are some like, Spots where you probably wouldn't want uh, it. One of my um, uh, foster parents had, uh, we'll call it a large yard. Uh, they had uh, some gardens, if you will, where they grew stuff, vegetables and, and that type of thing. Uh, and they would rotate. They had four of these in the large backyard. Yeah. And so one of them would be blank every year. And then the other three uh, would be growing some stuff. And every year they would rotate one over the other and leave one blank. And so what they do is when they let their dogs out, they train their dogs to go their number two yeah, in the blank uh, area. And then the following spring or whatever, when they tilled that up to plant mm-hmm. the seeds and, and all that kind of stuff, uh, the dog poo was natural fertilizer, as Riley pointed out. Yeah. So, like, you know, that seems like a... That actually seems like a smart way to grow things because you're rotating everything through and not right. depleting your soil. Right. Yeah. And that was their point in, in doing so. Uh, but, uh, you know, I assume that's not done in the cities. Uh, for weeks, local residents say uh, pieces of poo on the side of the road have been marked with white flags. Get therapy, reads one. Must be nice to be such a lazy ass, reads another. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and why get a dog then, asks a third. <laughs> While the identity of the Venice poop flagger is still a mystery, the person is already becoming something of a folk hero to people who live on the residential blocks around Hip Abbott Kinney Boulevard, not far from Venice Beach. I've never been. I've only ever set foot in California. That's it. 
uh, because I, I, and even though I lived on the West Coast for like 22 years, like I, I went, I was in Washington State, I went to Oregon several times, uh, never went to California the entire time I lived there. Mm. It wasn't until I moved to New Hampshire because I bought the cheapest flight that I could uh, at the time uh, and well in advance. Uh, I had all these connections that you normally wouldn't have. So I had to fly from Seattle to California. Yeah. So, so that was your California. That was, the, that was your set, big California trip. in California. Well, that's right. You got uh, to set foot in California at some point in your life. Yeah. And I was like, wow, it's not until I'm leaving the West Coast that I actually set foot in this yeah. state. <laughs> Uh, the story continues. I have no idea who it is. Zero clue, said Ava Carpentier, a longtime resident who was walking her dog, George. Okay. Dogs I, with people names. I don't like dogs with people names. Dogs with I think, people names. You're not a fan of dogs with people names, Captain? I think, I think dogs should have dog names. I say that as a human with, you know, the <laughs> moniker Captain. Right? Yeah. But <laughs> what's, what's a dog name? What makes a dog name? I mean, if, if a dog's name is George, then it doesn't, that. I mean, it's a dog's name, right? I mean, I guess. Like you, like, you, like he needs to be named Spot. N- no, but like <laughs> I don't. It's not very common for dogs to be named people's names. Yeah, yeah. Right? It I, isn't. I don't find a lot of you know, and you know Georges what? and Bills and you know. Lucy's. It's an awesome opportunity to give someone a really sick name. You know what I mean? Like you could name your kids some crazy stuff, but that can kind of backfire for them for there, for their life. You know what I mean? But an animal, it's like you can, I mean, you can run with it. Uh, there was a lady in my, uh, one of my grandmother's uh, old neighborhoods in, uh, I'm trying to remember, probably 78, 79 or something like that. She had a very large black lab named the N-Word. Oh, oh no. No way. You can't do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not good. Another, another guy I know uh, who is... Uh, Sort of a bikerish kind of guy, you know, big burly, you know, scary looking dude. Um, he had a dog named Stains. What is that supposed to mean? You can imagine what he yelled out into the yard when he wanted the dog to come in. Don't say <laughs> oh it. Gosh. Don't say it. Yep. No. <laughs> stains. Mm, stains. Mm-hmm. Mm, stains. Yeah. <laughs> See? Right. Anyway. The opportunities are endless. <laughs> yeah, they are. Maybe so, not the first one. Not the, not the first story. Or the story. second one, really. Yeah, you know, but... So don't do those ones, but get creative. Have fun. Anyway, she's walking her dog, George, and she said, it's brilliant. I think it's hysterical. I'd like to shake the hand of the person who's doing it, uh, provided they have washed their hands, hopefully, after placing Yeah, hopefully their hands are clean in, in, and in the poo. Uh, I hear well, they don't necessarily have to touch it, right? I hear that's how you get Parvo. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, the style of the flags have appeared over the past weeks is consistent. White paper, a sharp message written in black marker. On a tour of the neighborhood on Monday, a Guardian reporter documented five separate flags on moldering piles of excrement. Oh. It's kind of awful that it's that big of an issue there. Because well, I don't see that walking around in like around here. And I, I do a I'm lot thinking. of like... Mountain trails, regular trails, sidewalk walking. I don't really see too I, much dog poop on the, you know. Yeah, it when doesn't I'm, seem to be a problem around here. Um, and I think especially nowadays, like it's just within the culture. Like if you have a dog, it is your responsibility to pick it up, yeah. 
Keep bags on you if you're taking your dog out of the house. Like you need to be prepared, um, especially nowadays. Like people will confront you. Yeah, I follow this page on Instagram. It's like a Karen page, and it's really just people like freaking out about things that they shouldn't be freaking out about. Okay, but it's very funny. <laughs> and this this guy was confronting this woman on the sidewalk. I think it was in New York City. Um, yelling in her face, screaming in her face for her to pick up her dog's poop. So she goes, okay, you want me to pick it up? And she picks it up and throws it in his face. Oh. And you can imagine how things escalated from there. Yeah. That's you know, I don't have, what, what was that, Insta? Instagram? I, I don't have that. No. But like, if it's got stuff like that on, I might watch. It's pretty funny, yeah. <laughs> It's like any social media, right? Like even TikTok, it's like, you know, you can curate your your feed to to show you whatever you'd like. I don't know where this story is going, but just off the top of my head, you know how we've uh, done stories about uh, uh, the human feces problem in like San Francisco? Yeah. Yeah. I think this guy should move to San Francisco, start putting flags on the humans. Oh, there you go. That would be interesting. That would be really interesting. You know, up his game a little bit. Take up a notch. Assuming it's a man. Assuming it's a man. Maybe he's confused. Maybe he thinks it's dog poop, and it's not. Ooh, that might be entirely possible. Some big because I'm like a dog owner would never do this. They would clean it up, yeah. but a crazy person might. Yeah. Uh, so other messages uh, such as pick up your poop and other more passive aggressive. Life is hard if you can't afford poop bags. <laughs> yeah, if you can afford it, dog, you can afford right. a poop bag. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they outlawed uh, plastic bags, so it's hard around there nowadays. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where are you going to pick your dog poop up in? Uh, paper. Paper. So. Oh, gosh. Maybe you should get one of those cloth bags. <laughs> They'll start using uh, cloth diapers. Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Know, the just laundry. Ones. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. I'm a big fan, says Will Inbush. That's his name. In Inbush. It's spelled with the S-C-H, though. Okay. Uh, who said he often shares a chuckle with a neighbor as they pass one of the flags. No one wants to see a bunch of dog poop everywhere. His favorite two flags, Inbush said, read, Who raised you? And, Come on, you're better than this. <laughs> his favorite two, uh, those are his favorite two. Uh, from the handwriting, I assume it's one person. I can't imagine there's a coordinated team of people that do all that. He had a few guesses as to the identity of the gorilla flagger. Just someone with a good sense of humor and solid handwriting. <laughs> wow. The proliferation of dog droppings in parks, yards, and neighborhoods is a problem in many locations around the world, and one that may only have worsened during the pandemic. Or they mean the government overreaction to... Yeah, uh, or the, yeah. the scandemic, as some people call it. The propagandemic. Yeah, it's more. De- it's definitely more of a propagandemic. I mean, yeah, there was there was illness going around, but you know the propaganda surrounding the I illness. I think propagandemic might be like, as far as portmanteaus that I've invented, like that's might pretty be my, great. Might yeah, be my crowning great, achievement. Yeah. You know? yeah, Like if there were a list of like, you know, there's other ones that I like, like technicalities. You know. That's, yep, that's a good that's, one. That's I use. Favorite. I actually started using that. Nice. Quite frequently yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, many, it's a good one. Many people from my former tech jobs uh, are also using it. It sounds like a real word, you know, like just a, a regular word, you know? And everybody knows what you mean immediately. Yeah, immediately, yeah. Yep. No question. So anyway, uh, things may have worsened during the propagandemic when many people adopted new dogs. Fecal okay. bacteria is rampant on the streets of New York City and a deluge- New York City. New York. That's where they make pecan, don't you know? 
<laughs> and a deluge of dog droppings may also be harming nature reserves, researchers have warned. Ooh, okay. wonder how dog droppings are ruining nature reserves. Yeah, because, you know, if nature was just to take its course and, you know, there were no, like, cities or whatever, um, that would just be a naturally occurring phenomenon. Yeah. It would be. You know, like you got like these people who go like deer hunting or whatever, right? You know, they're 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 following deer droppings through the forest, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. like oh, hopefully we can find a deer to shoot, you know, and get us some meat this season or whatever. And no one's complaining that deer droppings ruin the nature reserve. Right. Uh attempts to police this excrement epidemic range from fines to signs asking dog owners to be respectful or warning that there's no magic poop fairy to pick up their droppings. The issue remains a profound social flashpoint, a constant reminder of what it means to respect or disrespect public space. At first, several Venice residents said they assumed the flags had been placed on the poop by a particular homeowner or business who was upset about their particular lawn. But as they began to see the poop flags scattered across the neighborhood, they realized this was part of some larger endeavor. I don't know who's doing it, which makes it even cooler, Claire Ramsey said, another local resident, as she walked her dog, Charlie. Okay, so we got George and Charlie so far. What is up with Venice and naming dogs after people? It does seem like Venice is that kind of place. It's probably you know a I mean? posh thing to do to name yeah. a dog after a person. Yeah. They got to be posh and proper. Uh, sometimes it helps me out, I'm not going to lie, said postal worker who was delivering mail in the neighborhood who declined to give her name. Seeing a little flag has stopped me from stepping in it, she said. A oh, yeah. frequent risk in Venice where a lot of people have dogs. So maybe that's why it's such an issue there is just the, the dog owner population is very high. The dog to human ratio? Yeah. I guess so, maybe. It's like one to one. <laughs> hope it's not that you have to You have to own a dog to live there. <laughs> that would be really funny if you did. Yeah, no not dogs allowed yep. is what yeah. their signs read. Uh, residents say they're still guessing about the identity of the person or persons behind the flags. Was it someone walking their own dog carrying the flags as they went? Does the flagger hand make the flags with little toothpicks? Or were the flags mass produced, perhaps designed for labeling hors d'oeuvres at a party? Oh, God. Uh, I just had a bad visual of, yeah. of this on like a big silver tray. That would not be, <laughs> yeah. not be a fun Welcome party. Welcome to the party. It's the Venice party. Oh, no. Here's some horse duvers. Oh, no. I'm sorry, hors d'oeuvres. Horse d'oeuvres. I call them horse duvers. Yeah. <laughs> Ramsey said the effort didn't seem menacing, but rather conceptual with the flags, reminding her of the distinctive tags of graffiti artists. But it's also possible, this being Los Angeles, that the poop flags were part of a deliberate marketing, cam- marketing campaign. Is it some brand, she asked? Is it someone just looking for notoriety? Um... What's the artist? Banksy, right? That's what I'm thinking of, right? You know, it could be a could be a local artist, and like later on they'll reveal themselves. Yeah, and everybody will look at their work or their website or whatever. Residents say they had started texting photos of their favorite flag sightings to friends and family, and that at least one person had photoshopped a flag perched atop a disintegrating piece of poo so that it read Trump 2024. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. Nothing That's a good like- place for a Trump 2024 thing is a yeah. flag of poop. I mean, let's put one for all of the presidents. Yeah, exactly. I, all of the I agree. So. All the so-called yeah. presidents. All these government people. So, yeah. Uh, we have a caller holding. Let's go to them. Uh, I believe this is Mr. Axelman. You're on Free Talk Live. 
Hi, it is Mr. Axelman. How's it going? It's going good. What's on your mind, bro? I have to switch the topic to a few bills. Um, before I get to a few bills that are currently pending in the legislature that I'd love you all to support. Um, yeah, sorry. I need to ask, um, if I made like a Kickstarter or Indiegogo type of thing for my next book so I can make a few dollars before I uh, published it or something to help publish it, would you guys consider contributing a few dollars or a few goldbacks worth? Oh, I totally like, would. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah. And I'd tell everybody else okay, to, awesome. too. Also. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it'll be all about the First Amendment. I'm going to do the First Amendment violations like I did with Presumed Guilty with the Fourth and Fifth Amendment. I'm going to go over all the violations. It's going to be a massive book, and it's going to be like black-pilled anarchist type of stuff. Nice. Okay, so um, I'm sure you all are aware that the uh, landlords in every state, including New Hampshire, are um, crapped on, like you guys were talking about in the number two story. Um, I mean, almost no rights and tenants in all 50 states, I believe, can squat, and they have rights as squatters if they want to stay or take over your house. You can't evict them. It's very hard to evict them. There's an interesting bill that would... So currently, according to state law, you're not allowed to evict someone after the lease is over if you don't want to renew the contract, meaning if they're there for 12 months and you both agree to that, afterward you don't want to renew it because you just don't like them or they're a bad tenant, mm-hmm. um, you actually can't make them leave. So essentially you have to let them stay, and you have to give them a month-to-month or a new lease, which is ridiculous. That doesn't, doesn't make sense. Is that true yeah, in New Hampshire? Yes. So Supreme Court Justice Bob Lynn, who's now a state representative, um, proposed a bill to allow people to evict them, meaning not renew the contract. So it would just simply allow you to not renew a contract because currently you have to renew contracts. I'm mind blown that that I, wasn't I, already a thing in I, New yeah. Hampshire. My mind as well. I have to ask, what is the point of having a contract yeah, with right? an expiration date if nothing happens at the end of the Don't expiration date? This It doesn't make sense to me. Um, apparently it's, yeah, it's just insane. I spoke to an expert on it the other day who presented an MVP, and I, I literally couldn't understand it. And I'm like, yeah. am I having a stroke? You say you yeah. can't not renew a contract? I mean, it yeah. sounds like it's one of those things that's so ridiculous. Like, no no tenant would ever believe that that was a thing, right? So they would just think, oh, oh, the contract's up. You know, the, the lease is up, right? Yep. So um, my landlord is saying that I have to find a new place to live. I would assume that most tenants would just think or assume that they would have to leave. Right. You know? Now, I... I don't know. So... So yeah, it's House Bill 1115, so 1115. I believe it's in the Judiciary Committee of the House, um, of which uh, Bob Lynn is the chairman, although I'll, I'll confirm which committee it's in. But if you want to send emails to that committee, I'm going to publish an article hopefully tonight on Liberty Block anyway. Um, and I know Nikki said you read every article at least once a day on Liberty oh, Block. Oh yeah, every, every, every day. Time. <laughs> yeah. So, so you can share it with your friends. So hopefully that article will be up soon. It'll be very simple. It'll just say, here's a bill. Here's what it does. We'll email the reps. And another interesting bill is House Bill 1337. I was just talking to the chairman of that committee. Yep. And that would essentially say police, if they have someone's firearms due to like they took them for like a restraining order or something, if they mm-hmm. have firearms, once that order is over, they should give them back. Oh, uh, yeah. Them, yeah, they should. And making the person jump through hoops and do dances and Again, pay and go to court. Yeah, again, that's another thing. We're not already doing that. They're wow, not already that's, doing that. That's, that's amazing. Sounds, yeah, you know, partly unconstitutional. You back unless you do a dance for them, which is yeah. interesting. Um, and as you guys might know, restraining orders are as easy to get as like oh yeah, uh, taking candy from the kid. Uh, um, like almost ninety nine percent are approved mm-hmm. the temporary orders. So yeah. Yeah, it's a red flag law. And then even if it's if it's withdrawn by the petitioner because they made a mistake or it was found to be totally baseless, 
you don't get firearms back unless you do a massive dance for police. And hey, you might uh, never get them back. So Alou, do you have more to say? To do you want to hang on? No, that's pretty much all. Thanks. How can people find you? LibertyBlock.com and AldoBaxman.com on Twitter. Hey, thanks for the call, man. We appreciate you. Let us know about that uh, campaign. 603-283-6160. More Free Talk Live. Hour number two is coming up. Don't go anywhere. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by that treasury. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya Protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Free Talk Live. Thank you for tuning in and listening to tonight's broadcast. If you'd like to join in the conversation, 603-283-6160 is the telephone number you need to tattoo on your child's forehead or grab a crayon right on the fridge, um, burn it in your driveway or your lawn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think of what else you could do. Like, <laughs> you could do all sorts of stuff. Yeah. You can engrave it. Everywhere, if you want it. Oh, I wonder if we could get the guy doing the the poo flags. I write the number on the poo <laughs> yeah, flags. There you go. Yeah. That'd be cool. That's people, good publicity. A bunch of people yeah. would call in, not necessarily to join the show, but yeah. you know they would call because they see. So this. you're the guy leaving the poop all over the street. <laughs> no, the flags. <laughs> the flags, right? Yeah. Uh, for those of you who missed it, we talked about a story uh, in the previous hour where there's a there's a guy in L.A. putting a little, I don't know, these little white flags on, on like, toothpick-looking things into uh, piles of dog poo when people don't pick it up. So uh, that's what we're talking about. Uh, but in the studio tonight, it's myself, Captain Kickass, joining me. Riley. And Nikki. Uh, we're going to move on from the number two story to something else. We uh, kind of brushed upon this, or at least teased it, in the previous hour, uh, we we did mention cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. Yep. Okay. And I do have a story. It's actually uh, somebody that we know. One of our producers uh, brought this story in. Our team of crack producers. Uh, not our crack team of producers. <laughs> not our team of crack producers. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, this is actually from Forbes or Forbes, if you Forbes. you know, yeah. Forbes. <laughs> Bitcoin versus the dollar. Uh, we talk about Bitcoin cryptocurrency relatively often. Mm-hmm. You like how I got the T in there often? Mm-hmm. Yes, here on Free Talk Live. Uh, and it is my hope 
that people will begin to adopt cryptocurrency as their everyday currency, uh, as a grassroots movement to separate money and state. It's a great way to transmit value across borders, for sure. Well, that and it solves the Byzantine general's problem, which is why digital currency hasn't existed before. So Byzantine general's problem is just the ability or the inability to double spend, right? Prior to the uh, Satoshi Nakamoto dropping Bitcoin on the world, uh, other digital currencies were being worked on, but they could never get over this problem where somebody could hack in and like double spend. So if, you know, you know, a hundred bucks worth of whatever this currency was, was spent, somebody else could hack in and spend that same hundred dollars again. And so that's bad, obviously, but Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever he or they are, uh, they solved this problem with math. And people often say, Bitcoin isn't backed by anything. That's not true. No, it's, you just don't understand it. It's backed by math. Yeah. Literally. Like, it, and if you don't believe me, go look it up. But also, you have to ask yourself, what is the U.S. dollar backed by? Actually nothing. It's not backed by like math. your it's, hopes and dreams and tears and the blood of foreign children. That's yeah, what it's backed much. by. That's, or, or oil. I mean, some people back their dollars with oil, but not very often. The dollar is just worthless. Once upon a time, the U.S. dollar used to be backed by gold, but that hasn't been the case for over 100 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, as we move into you know the digital age, uh, my hope is that folks uh, abandoned government currency. You've heard of the separation of church and state? Well, if that's a good idea, then so is the idea of the separation of money and state, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So that being said, Bitcoin has apparently uh, stoked some fear into, well, governments, statists, presidents, governors, all the terms Riley mentioned in Tyrants, despots, thieves. All those kinds of guys. Uh, So the headline here reads, Biden administration suddenly declares U.S. crypto emergency. Oh, my God. It's an emergency. After huge price surge. Now, I've been following Bitcoin for quite some time. I have not seen this huge price surge <laughs> recently. Um, like people are predicting it, right? Yeah. You know, I've I've actually had some people reach out to me like, "Oh, I hear it's going to spike. Like you got to tell me about this crypto thing." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." Now, this was published uh February 3rd, so yesterday. All right, so this is a fresh Was there a spike? Let me let me check. I, Wait. Right. Am I rich? <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Yeah, go let's let's consult the magic rectangle. <laughs> yeah. Nikki's going to tell us if if we're all wealthy or not. Yeah. If <laughs> it's still not. around like 42 or something then we're not. <laughs> While you're checking, uh Bitcoin and crypto have surged back after a devastating price crash according to Forbes, which, you know, you Wait, so one. what is it? I'm getting they're giving me mixed signals. Am I am I rich or am I poor? Uh, you look it up. Uh, the Bitcoin price has topped $43,000 per Bitcoin, up around 200% from its recent lows of $15,000. I can't yeah, remember. 42 and some change. I mean, you know? I remember in maybe 2019 when it was like around 15, maybe around you know, between 10 and 15. But that's over the course of, what, five years? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Anyway. So it's doing better than the USD. Oh, for sure. It's still... <laughs> valuable yeah i mean it's still up so like you know if if you invested early you know you're probably up but uh this says it's up around 200 percent from its recent lows of fifteen thousand. as a wall street legend declares the u.s dollar is finished yay yay Yay! good riddance to the dollar good riddance i say now as the bitcoin mining industry hurdles toward three 
6.3 trillion dollar earthquake. I don't know what they mean by that. I don't either. Uh, maybe that's the market cap. I don't know. U.S. President Joe Biden's administration has issued an emergency collection of data request. Oh, give me a break. And this is the thing. It's like they use the emergency word so well, you know, that's a state of emergency. Yeah. Well, they've got to keep the people in perpetual fear. Don't yeah. you understand? So, like it's snowing. State of emergency. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> calm down. Settle, yeah. settle down, everybody. Yeah. Uh, so he's issued an emergency collection of data requests to those that secure the Bitcoin network, meaning miners, mm-hmm. M-I-N-E-R-S. I've, I've learned that. Oh, my. To, yeah, I, okay. Yes, okay. From last night's program yeah, that we yeah, need okay. to specify when we use that word, apparently. <laughs> Fan- Not our slave children. <laughs> Fanning the flames of a battle some see as Bitcoin versus the U.S. dollar. Ding, 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 ding. Which, I mean, if you listen to this show for any period of time, you'd know that that's, that's kind of the deal. Yeah, and you can uh, see who is who's failing. Bitcoin's historical halving, or halving, that's expected to cause crypto price chaos is just around the corner. Oh, that's an ad. Never mind, I won't read that. Uh, the Biden government this week signed off an emergency probe. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't like Biden anymore. Not that I liked him at all, ever. Like, all right, place. now you've officially crossed a line. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> anyway, uh, they signed off on an emergency probe into how much power Bitcoin and crypto miners are using with the Emergency Information Administration set to begin the urgent collection of data this coming week. Oh, man. So is this just on people that use Coinbase? or I'm, well, Who are they collecting data on? Well, let's find out. Bitcoin miners... M-I-N-E-R-S. The children. (laughs) Bitcoin miners who use high-powered computers to verify transactions and maintain Bitcoin's blockchain in return for newly minted coins will be required to respond with their energy use details as part of an emergency data collection request authorized by the Office of Management and Budget, or the OMAB, I guess, on January 26th. How are they going to find all these people well, and make so, them do things? So there are a number of mining entities who, uh, you know, have registered with like FinCEN or, yeah. you know, as, a, as an actual business because they want to go uh, public or whatever at some point. You know, they want to attract investors and that kind of well, thing. Well, this is what people do because they think it's safer. They're like, oh, okay, well, if I just jump through some hoops, then they can't come after me. Yeah. No, they can always come after you. All of these uh, mining pools, so to speak, these large, uh, you know, like warehouse type places that have hundreds or even thousands of Bitcoin mining machines in them, uh, they are all, uh, you know, sort of official businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I lived in Washington State, there was uh, one of them that I actually almost went to work for. Uh, they were just over the mountains on the other side of the Seattle area. Um, but I ended up uh, not doing that because I got a, a more lucrative offer from another employer. But um, big, big facility. The reason why they were there is because uh, in that portion of Washington State, electricity is cheap. Oh, okay. And so that's why they, they chose that as their spot. Uh, but they are an above board, you know, if you go to work for them, it's like a W-2 job. You're paid yeah. hourly or salary or whatever that is and that kind of thing. So... Um, we intend to continue to analyze and write 
about the energy implications of cryptocurrency mining activities in the United States. The EIA Administrator Joe DeCarolis said in a statement, We will specify focus, or I'm sorry, we will specifically focus on how the energy demand for cryptocurrency mining is evolving, identify geographic areas of high growth, and quantify the sources of electricity used to meet cryptocurrency mining demand. Okay. Like, I mean, don't they already have this kind of with like, I know they used to monitor um, uh, people's electric bills. Yeah. To identify. Oh, to see who was like growing pot or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this seems like an old thing that they're trying to yeah, yeah, it does. now, it now seems point like at the miners, right? Yeah, it seems like they're trying to repurpose something. Yeah. Recycling. The EIA pointed to the possibility of public harm, quote oh unquote. Who is the public? And uh, how is it being harmed? Yeah. yeah uh, I don't feel like I'm being harmed. I don't either, actually. The EIA pointed to the possibility of public harm from Bitcoin and mining for the need. To is this collect a good, the data. Is this a good time for us to mention that the U.S. military is the number one polluter in the world? It is. <laughs> I mean, time. think so, how many uh, bombs that are being uh, dropped. The largest <laughs> carbon footprint is the U.S. military. No yeah. one's mentioning that. So uh, look at the pot calling the kettle black. The most yeah. wasted fuel is the, the U.S. military. I mean, Bitcoin miners don't even, like, they don't even come close to how much pollution the u.s government themselves yeah. are creating no, i mean are you kidding and who cares how much energy it uses yeah. as long as it's being paid for right? yeah it's the market and they're sending us mixed signals right because it's like everybody needs a tesla everybody needs a hybrid car everybody needs an electric car and they but don't use too much electricity yeah right. and they want to yeah. fund the war effort in ukraine so we got to fund that how, yeah. how big is the Ukraine war effort carbon footprint right now? I don't know, but probably have, huge. Have you guys noticed that uh, mm-hmm. on social media, all the Ukraine flags are gone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's nobody cares about that anymore. The new thing is uh, Israel, and the are, Gaza Strip. Are, are people putting up Israel flags now on their social media? There well, no, because people... a lot of the SJWs, like the social justice warrior type, mm-hmm. um, they are they like Palestine. So they'll either use a Palestinian flag or a watermelon as a symbol. Of oh, a watermelon. Palestine. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen the watermelon. Why watermelon? It's a, it's the colors of the watermelon that correspond to the Palestinian oh. flag oh, or something okay. like that. okay. Right. But I also, like, to your point, I haven't seen any Palestine flags. Yeah, okay. All right. But Did all those face circles go away, too? I haven't seen those in a long time. I see a couple of them every yeah. once in a while. Okay. Anyway, the Bitcoin mining industry has been criticized for its eye-watering energy usage. Really? Whose eyes are wondering? Uh, these people are getting paid. These electric companies are getting paid. So yeah. whose eyes are wondering? Which studies have found could be as much each year as some small countries. You mean like I mean, you mean like the independent maybe. nation of New Hampshire? <laughs> well, <laughs> the future independent nation? Of yeah, but also yeah. like... Small countries, I mean, the U.S. is huge, right? So it's like, to even make that comparison is like, yeah, it, yeah. it actually might be. So like, what's what's the point? There are countries you know that, are, I mean? that are smaller than New Hampshire, right? New Hampshire, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so how like, can they say this is a horrible thing, exactly? And also, I'm tired of the argument about like, Bitcoin uses so much electricity. No, it's it dumb, doesn't. You yeah. know who uses more electricity than Bitcoin? The oh. National Football League. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's like a good point. By yeah. orders of magnitude. Oh, you, know, yeah, sure. absolutely. you know who else I'm uses sure. more electricity than Bitcoin? We already said it. The U.S. military. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And probably tons of other organizations. Let's take a look at how much electricity the government uses 
overall, not just the military. Yeah. How much, you know, uh, that's like a large country. Yeah, that's a large country. Right? <laughs> I know. Recognizing that this emergency collection is experimental and provisional with the understood intention that EIA wants to build a new standard collection, the OMB wrote in its approval. Uh, of why? Oh, man. This is totally an invasion of privacy, by the way, uh, for any of you who are paying attention, playing the home game of Free Talk Live. Yeah, it's definitely invading privacy. The emergency survey has sparked fears among the Bitcoin and crypto community that long-held fears of a broad government crackdown on the Bitcoin mining industry could be beginning. And it definitely could be beginning. Yeah. I I mean, anyone can mine Bitcoin. I mean, not like anyone. Like, you need the 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 setup. Like, you need the equipment. But, like, once you have the equipment... If you have enough to invest in that and you have the wherewithal to, to set it up, and if you know what you're doing, anyone can mine Bitcoin. Yeah, also, I, you got, know what I, mean? I got news for uh, these alphabet agencies of the government. Um, sure, you might need some electricity to power these Bitcoin miners, but electricity can be achieved in many different ways that aren't necessarily via the electric grid. There are yeah. there are generators. There are solar power. There's you know hydropower. Yeah, uh, or a combination wind power. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you have the right combination, uh, you can mine where nobody can track it. Yeah, absolutely. So, last year, Florida Governor and former U.S. presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis warned the Biden administration has it out for Bitcoin and could end up killing it completely. No, I'm sorry. Not really. I mean, no. there there are ways to get around. First of all, Bitcoin people. cryptocurrency in general is global. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, they might they might succeed in driving a bunch of miners underground, for example, here in the US. Uh, but they're not going to kill it completely. Yeah. I mean, if anything this might scare some like normies out of participating in cryptocurrency, which is like okay, well, it, whatever. It is. It is, is interesting because uh, recently the the ETFs have been approved, which allow for some of these uh, banking consortiums uh, to allow uh, investment into these ETFs, uh, which is basically gambling against will Bitcoin yeah. go up or down. Yeah. And I'm wondering if this is fear mongering to get uh, people who are uh-huh. holding. Holding their bitcoins to sell, yeah, so maybe. that their buddies who in the banking system and these consortiums uh, and these ETFs can uh, abscond with more bitcoin. Yeah, because I was entirely possible. Yeah, that's actually yeah would have a way bigger effect because I'm thinking that they're just kind of targeting to like the woke left that's like really into um, like global warming and stuff like that. Yeah, or and obviously like we've seen some policy like policy be made around. The fear of global warming and just eco friendliness, whether whether it's legit or not, and yeah. whether those that policy actually affects in a positive way or not, right. is up, massively up for debate. But that's kind of where I thought they were going with this. But that actually, like, if they're if they're talking about like the mm-hmm. market and yep. you know banks and stuff, they want to favor their friends. Yeah, right. so that actually would have way, like cause way more waves. Right. We know that uh, the United States is fascist, and that is to say yeah. that uh, the government and uh, banks uh, are in cahoots with each other. Yeah. And so, of course, this is how politicians who only make you know a couple hundred thousand dollars a year after you know four or five years, all of a sudden they're multimillionaires, right? It's because you know they're all friends. It's a bro network, and you're not in it. 
the EIA's latest move to mandate Bitcoin mining firms to disclose their energy usage is a direct targeting of the digital asset sector, the Texas Blockchain Council had posted. So uh, Biden had declared a federal emergency because Bitcoin is winning. Pierre Richard, head of the research at Colorado-based Bitcoin miner Riot Platforms, posted to Twitter, adding the $3 trillion deficit, $34 trillion in debt, and the insolvent fiat banking system could be considered an emergency. Yes, that's true. Bitcoin is not an emergency. $3 trillion in, uh, in deficit, $34 trillion in national debt, and the insolvent fiat banking system of the USD certainly should be considered an emergency. But it hasn't been. They've done nothing except well, print more money. They just want to try and inflate the debt way, but it's not going to work. It's going to make the money even more worthless. They've tried this all the time around the world in order to pretend that, oh, it's going to make money better. It's going to make everything better, but it never does. And eventually your currency will become worthless. Well, they have to know that, yeah. right? At, at 51 years of age, which is what I am, I remember uh, when you could get uh, in the uh, in the soda machine. The pop machine, whatever, whatever your regional dialect may be, mm-hmm. uh, twenty five cents for a can. Now it's like what two bucks, buck fifty, you know, if you if you're lucky. I remember uh, one dollar packs of cigarettes for those smokers out there. Mm-hmm. In the universe one dollar uh, when I was like sixteen. What not fifteen? Uh, no, I started smoking at sixteen. No, I mean they're fifteen dollars a pack now, roughly. Uh, yeah, in some they're places. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you're going to smoke something like of quality. Yeah. That's you know, that's a huge amount of jump in price. In that's cigarettes. crazy. Yeah. yeah, and so and that's not even fifty though. years because like yeah. I had to be sixteen. Yeah, of course. To, so yeah. you do the math, right? You know, so thirty five years. That's how much the inflation, the real inflation, the tangible inflation, yeah. uh, has skyrocketed. Uh, 89 cent gas. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do I remember? Oh, I remember, uh, uh, television commercials for, uh, like Mazda, you know, Toyota said the smaller pickups. Yeah. Right. Uh, $57.95, $5,795. That's not a lot of money. Right. Which is about what you're going to pay for a used car today. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. But you used to if be you're able lucky. To, oh my gosh. You used to be able to get a brand new small pickup truck, zero miles. Yep. For less than six grand. Now you can add a couple of zeros to the end of that. Yeah, now you're looking at twenty five in that ballpark for like a base truck with like no automatic windows, like the manual roll downs yeah. and that kind of a thing. Wow, that's expensive. It is now. Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys have looked. I, I constantly look at things like Craigslist and oh, yeah. you know uh, the the Facebook car, marketplace, car and truck trader, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, uh, like, it's ridiculous now. If I were a young person right now just trying to come up and, like, I didn't have a car. Yeah. And I didn't have, like, parents to, like, help me out with, like, buying something or whatever. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, I couldn't afford one. No, yeah, I remember. That's, that's the gripe that a lot of young people have today is they I, can't afford yeah. this world anymore. Well, right. and that's the thing, like, and, and just starting off, too. I mean, most kids are working minimum wage, right? I remember even just a few years ago. Used to be able to get some junker car for like five hundred bucks. That'd be pretty standard. You could even like literally go to the junkyard, pick out a car, five hundred bucks, whatever. The old five hundred dollar beater. Yeah. You can't even get a car under like two grand or three grand. Like any car at all. The used car market has skyrocketed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it runs, if you if you can turn turn it on, it's going to be at least three thousand dollars. It's insane. 
Yeah, there's just a little bit more on this story, and we've got more in store for you, including something about owning a nuclear arm in your own garage or basement or something. Uh, we'll we'll find that oh, out. Yeah, we'll find out. We'll find that out coming up here on Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. Hey, you are going to love the movie Victimless Crime Spree. It's hilarious, heartwarming, and carries a ton of inspiring freedom messages. Feeling down about the lack of liberty in your life? You need to put on this film with some friends and have a good laugh. It's a true story about me and my friends in New Hampshire living free, singing, dancing, and getting arrested. Of course, it's all on video, and the bad guys, the cops, judges, bailiffs, and sheriffs, they all play their part like it's out of a movie or something. You would think we scripted the whole thing, but it's real life. Go ahead and have a watch, and if it's been a while, have another look. I guarantee you'll notice things now that you didn't notice before. And the best part is that you're going to walk away feeling a renewed sense of your own power. You are the master of your destiny, and you will be free in your lifetime. Victimless Crime Spree. Solo in there, nice man. Well <laughs> yeah, of course. We are back. It is Free Talk Live. Uh, sorry, I was just looking at my notes, realizing I misspelled something. Anyway, I'll take care of that later. <laughs> <laughs> are you having ADD, Captain? Uh, um, attention deficit hyperactive disorder, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> there's a there's a heavy metal band uh, that. Uh, uh, you're familiar with the term passive aggressive. Yep. Yeah. Right. Uh, they put out an album called Massive Aggressive. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. It's hard to tell. I mean, I might just be old. <laughs> These things happen. <laughs> yeah. The telephone number six zero three two eight three six one six zero. It is Free Talk Live in the studio. It's myself, the captain, Riley, and Nikki. We've been talking about this emergency declaration from uh, the senile one, yeah, also known as President Biden. The so-called President Biden. The sniffer. The kid sniffer. <laughs> uh, where, uh, for some reason, uh, they have decided that they want, they're demanding, actually, uh, because it's an emergency, uh, any uh, above-board crypto mining businesses... Uh, begin to report their energy consumption usage. No way. Uh, because they're, you know, afraid of Bitcoin is really the, the gist of it. Um, and so, you know, it's pointed out by the author that, uh, you know, if you really want to look at somebody being wasteful, let's look at uh, the $3 trillion in deficit, the $34 trillion debt, and, of course, the insolvent uh, USD fiat banking system. 
uh, which could be considered emergencies of far greater magnitude than the energy consumption of cryptocurrency. Yeah, I I think this is definitely more of a less of a crisis, I would say, but the government deficits are are definitely more crises. So the article continues, uh, the huge increase in the supply of U.S. dollars and U.S. debt through the COVID pandemic and lockdowns has galvanized Bitcoin supporters who fear the collapse of the U.S. dollar is imminent. Well, I don't know. I've been hearing that for a long time. And like it seems to me like all they do is just kick the can down the road, inflate through the economy more, everything yeah. becomes yeah. more expensive, et cetera, and so on. Um, I remember uh, that's what we were doing before we went to break. We were sort of I was reminiscing about like what stuff used to cost. Yeah, I remember uh, uh, a couple of people who were three, four years older than me uh, before I got out of uh, uh, high school. Uh, and mind you, I, I dropped out in my freshman year. So if I was sixteen, they were maybe eighteen to twenty in that range. Uh, and we were just sort of outside hanging out, you know. And they were talking because they had uh, gotten jobs. And they were bragging to each other about how much they made. Yeah. And the one guy was like, dude, I make $23,000 a year. And the other guy was like, that's pretty good, but I just got a job making $27,000 a year. Wow. I make more than my dad now, he said. Right? So, like, and this is probably, I don't know, you know 82 or something. Yeah. Three in Back that then, money went yeah. further, that's for sure. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh but, like, that's how much inflation has occurred just in my lifetime. Yeah. I mean, apartments are going for, like, upwards of $2,000 for, like, yeah. a single bedroom in some areas. Yeah. Especially urban areas. Yeah. Right. It's super expensive in the city. I now. mean, I don't know how. And I, I actually just saw some gentleman posted this on Facebook the other day. Um, and he was, like, honestly, like, you know, I'm a 50-something-year-old man. And I can't fathom how young people nowadays without roommates are affording rent. Like, seriously. Yeah. It is crazy. Yeah, I mean, I... if you work a minimum wage job, whatever that might be in your area, it's impossible. Uh, before we go on, Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project with a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month for this sponsorship. It's easy to get and easy to use Dash. Learn more at Dash.org. Again, Dash.org. All right, so uh, the huge increase in the supply of U.S. dollars in debt uh, you know, has uh, got people fearing the collapse of the U.S. dollar. Over the last 10 years, all fiat, this is other government currencies now, in the past 10 years, all fiat has declined against the dollar, even as the dollar has collapsed against Bitcoin. Tech investor and former Coinbase chief technology officer, uh, investor Balaji Srinivasan, posted to Twitter. Biden versus Trump is the American election, but Bitcoin versus the dollar is the Internet election, which is truly more important. The election doesn't matter as much if they lose the money printer. Just one or two more orders of magnitude, and that will be clear. So I'm betting, if I'm a betting man, I would think that Bitcoin's going to win the internet election. Well, it, 
how, how can it not, right? Like, let's look at it from that perspective. Like, there's plenty of ways that it could sort of win that election, right? But yeah. how could it not? First of all, it's decentralized, which means uh, there's no, you can't go after a person or a building. Uh, you know, it's code that just exists on the internet, right? So uh, that's, you know, the number one. It's global, right? The USD is not global. It's used globally, but it's not global. Other countries have their own currencies and that kind of a thing. So, like, a lot of stuff is measured against the dollar, sure. But if the USD goes down, all these other countries' fiats are going down, too. So there's the danger of that. Uh, Because cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, is software, right, it can be adopted rather quickly. Right. Already, we're still early on, but already there's multiple wallet providers. Oh, yeah. There's uh, cold storage. There's warm storage. There's all sorts of different ways. You can you can keep a paper wallet with some Bitcoin on it. You can transmit Bitcoin through a variety of ways. Uh, there, we've done, we did an article not too long ago of people transmitting uh, using zeros and ones, data, right, uh, binary, uh, transmitting binary over radio frequencies to transact in Bitcoin. Wow. So just because the internet goes down doesn't necessarily mean you can't transact in Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, Zephin, when he was on the show a few weeks ago on the Saturday show, yeah. was talking about how it could possibly be like intergalactic, you know, like maybe not intergalactic, but like into space. Like if, you know, I mean, people are seriously talking about, right. I mean, Elon Musk is talking about inhabiting Mars right. and whatever. Yeah. So like this is kind of the direction that we're going, right. you're not transacting in cash. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you you're know what translating I mean? Like, and you're transferring value in zeros and ones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I keep using this analogy in hopes that it opens some people's minds. Most people understand that music is the language of emotion. Right. And most people, most people don't understand what music actually is. They can't read music. They can't write music, yeah. you know, that kind of a thing. And, and that's fine. Um, you don't have to in order to enjoy music and use music exactly, and you know, yeah. that kind of thing. The same thing is true for Bitcoin. Bitcoin is just the language of value. That's all that it is. And it's done with mathematics, right? So no longer do you need a centralized entity to issue official currency, right? Bitcoin is m- money of the people. Fiat currency is money of empire. So... Which one's better? You be the judge. I mean, that's a great anag- analogy, too, between music. Because you don't have to be able to read sheet music to be able to mm. listen to it and enjoy it. Yep. I don't read sheet music uh, when I play guitar. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, I picked up tablature, which is a, a different way of expressing yeah. the music on the guitar fretboard. Um, but that's just for ease of, you know, learning new songs and that kind of a thing. I did learn how to read sheet music but I can't sit there and look at sheet music and play the guitar yeah. simultaneously. I my brain doesn't quite translate that. Uh, but and I, I, to some extent, I can't do that with tablature either. But that doesn't diminish my enjoyment of music. Yeah, sure. of course not. In, I've anyway. learned I've learned music by ear, so I, I I don't I've never had to learn to read music, but yeah. I've learned music by ear. Right, and uh, human beings as a species, all near as I can tell. Uh, understand music uh, heck even primates understand music right? oh yeah you know they'll they'll crank up some jams in the in the zoos or whatever and you can see the baboons dancing you know it's just it's just how it is uh music you know has this effect the the transmission of value 
right? Uh, barter, trade, that kind of a thing. It's just a, an expression of value. That's all that it is. So for the first time, we have independent money, independent of any empire, of any president, of any country. And that, to me, is a lovely thing, because when you have money that's independent of empires, presidents, rulers, or anything, you have money that's absolutely useful for the common people. Yeah. So, uh, you know, do your own research. Uh, I want to move on to uh, this story. Uh, Richie Rich, uh, who is a, a Sunday host as well, he's been on some Saturdays recently. We've been shuffling hosts around a little bit on the weekends. Uh, but he has talked about on numerous occasions uh, that in a in a real you know sort of libertarian anarchist world that you could own whatever weapons you would like to. You want to you want a tank? Go buy a tank. Go down to the tank store. See what kind of tanks they got in stock today. What's on <laughs> yeah, sale? Why not? Speak to the used tank salesman. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. That would be a large, dangerous vehicle to be having on the streets, though. Okay, but like you could still own one. It's just sure. property, right? Yes. Yeah. Just property. So he has also posited the potential ownership of nuclear weapons, which has sparked some debates and <laughs> yeah. uh, some callers are like, wah, 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 and other callers are like, eh, sure, whatever, right? You know, depends on the <laughs> on your on your stance on the whole thing. But this from uh, the Telegraph, apparently, via Yahoo. Nuclear missile found in US man's garage. So, <laughs> well, so apparently somebody already owns one. Yeah, so yeah. somehow right. like, he got access to uh, a like, missile. Uh, and and this was posted uh, yesterday, the third of February. Uh, a rusting rocket discovered in a man's garage in Washington State is, in fact, an inert nuclear missile. Police have said mm. uh, they have a picture of uh, what looks like a police officer uh, standing behind this thing. Uh, it looks like they've strapped the missile to some sort of metal cart uh, with some industrial uh, strength, uh, you know, webbing straps, that kind of a thing. So since I'm blind, how would you describe the shape of this missile? Well, they don't actually show the whole thing, okay. but it's it's a tube. Right. A large tube. Uh, like, so this guy standing behind it, this police officer, if he's, you know, six foot tall, uh, the tube that they show could... If you pack them in tightly, it could probably fit four or five of these guys okay. inside so the tube. Big things. Yeah, it, this is a pretty big piece of gear. Okay. Uh, actually, the caption says, we might be spoiling the story, so I'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, a rusting rocket discovered in man's garage uh, proves to be an inert nuclear missile. Authorities contacted a man in Bellevue. Oh, wow, that's a populated area, too. That's the east side of Seattle. Like, if you're... Uh, if you're from Seattle, yeah. every, everybody sort of near Seattle, they're like, where are you from? Like Everett. Oh, Seattle? And like you're like, yeah, okay, fine. I'm from yeah. Seattle. But like that's a more popular uh, area. It's the uh, it's the more ritzy side. Yeah. There's more money in Bellevue than there is in Seattle across the water. But at any rate, I'm surprised that that's where it was found. Uh, after he called the Air Force Museum offering to donate a military-grade rocket that belonged to his late neighbor. He said that his neighbor had bought the item from an estate sale. Bellevue Police Bomb Squad technicians said it was a Douglas AIR-2 Genie, an unguided air-to-air -air rocket that was designed to carry a 1.5 kilowatt W2 Dang. nuclear warhead. I don't. KT is the expression they use. First of all, 
I mean, what a thing to inherit. I know. That's a pretty big item to inherit, well, for he, sure. He bought it from an estate sale. Oh. But, but no, it from said a neighbor. from his late neighbor. Oh, he got it. I was assuming neighbor got it from an estate sale and then like passed it on after this gentleman had Offering died. to okay. donate a military-grade rocket that belonged to his late neighbor, so the neighbor died. Yeah. He was, he was you know, it's not like he had a punctua- or punctua- punctuality problem. Uh, his late neighbor, he said his neighbor had bought the item from an estate sale. So the neighbor bought it from an estate sale. Neighbor dies. And then passed it on to passed his. Passed it on. You're okay, right. So yeah. it was an inheritance. And who ratted on this guy? Because well, how would they know? He called. Oh, apparently. so he's the one who oh. ratted on himself and said, I want to donate this thing. Yeah. What? That's kind of dumb. I mean, I could see like well, he donating called- it to a museum if you want, like if you thought that was cool, but now the bomb squad's at your house. Like right. that kind of backfired. Right. That's what he did. <laughs> he called the Air Force Museum offering to donate it. Like, hey, you guys yeah. want this old ass rocket? Like, I got nowhere to And they're to put like, it. uh, you're going to jail. <laughs> they're like, we better get somebody out there stat after describing it to them, apparently. Because that probably is, uh, will catch him quite a few felonies in the, you know what I mean? They did I'm say assuming. there was no warhead attached and there was no danger of an explosion. Well, that's what oh. they say. That's what they say, but yeah. you never know. Seth Tyler, never trust a man with two first names, <laughs> a spokesman for a Bellevue Police Department said the device was just basically a gas tank for rocket fuel. He told the BBC the event was not serious at all, adding that our bomb squad member asked me why we were releasing a news release on a rusted piece of metal. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Tyler said the museum... Well, so uh, here's why. Bureaucrats always need to justify their paycheck. Yeah. Right? So like, well, we found a thing, and even though it's really not a problem, we better tell people about it, because <laughs> uh, otherwise, uh, you know, they, they'll they think we don't have enough to do, and we'll lose our jobs. Yeah, right? exactly. It's, it's just a way for them to pad their pocketbooks. Mr. Tyler said the museum did not appear to have warned the man that they had reported his offer. Oh, no. So he calls the museum. They're like, yeah, well, think about it. And then they call the museum called the bomb squad, apparently, or called the police. He said the individual in question was not expecting a call from us and was extremely irritated by the media coverage. I uh, would be too. Yeah. Mr. Tyler added that he was gracious enough to let us have a look at it. Uh, they have another picture here, uh, Riley, where they kind of show uh, the one end of the tube, and it looks okay. like a looks like a traditional end of a rocket. Where at the end of the tube, they have like a almost like a cylinder looking thing where all the uh, the ignition and vapor and fire yeah. comes out of the bottom of the uh, the rocket itself. Okay. Uh, police determined that the item was safe and left it with the man to be restored for display in a museum. Not necessarily the museum that he called, apparently. (laughs) That's worded oddly for that. Uh, We think it's going to be a long, long time before we get another call like this again, Bellevue Police Department said on Twitter. The genie was the first nuclear-armed air-to-air weapon. Interesting. Hmm. It said it was the most powerful interceptor missile ever deployed by the U.S. Air Force. Production of the genie missile ended in 1962. So that's an old missile. Yeah, it's older than me. Wow. By like, you know, a good decade or so. Yeah. Um, Man, like, can you imagine, uh, you always hear of these people, like, when they buy, like, an old home, you know, they get, like, a barn find. Yeah. Right? You know, they, like, uncover, like, some old, yeah. you know, 57 Chevy, it's in mint condition or whatever, under a tarp or that kind of thing. Can you imagine, like, if this is what you found? 
Yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty pretty rad. You're yeah. like, uh, I would what? not be calling the a museum or a bomb squad if I <laughs> would not be notifying the police. Are you going to put it on display, Nikki? This yeah, is my right, right in my front yard next to my tank, actually. Yeah, it, right next to the tank and the bulldozer. Ah, there you go. <laughs> like here, this is the 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 fafo. If, but if you have a tank, you probably don't need the bulldozer. Yeah. Unless you're just looking for backup, you know. Just in you case, know. Yeah. you got one for me, one for Matt. Backups. Oh, yeah, okay. There Matt probably go. with the dozer, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Husband and wife team driving around with a do- bulldozer in <laughs> a tank. <laughs> Watch out. Wait, um, wasn't that the name of two of the characters on the Matrix? Tank and Dozer? Oh my gosh, I don't even I'm, remember. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure when like Neo wakes up and he gets yeah. introduced to like the crew that's awake. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the the two Two dudes are tanking dozer. That's us, man. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> uh, let's go to some of your calls and thoughts. Uh, this is Tim in Florida. Tim, you're on Free Talk Live. How's it going tonight? Good, man. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, this is not an Israel call, I promise, but it will involve Israel, but it's not, not the theme. <laughs> um, All right. This is actually about the song by David Bowie, Save Your Machine, which I brought up once before. Okay. And... Uh, the funny thing is the mass assassination factory, uh, was a term related to the artificial intelligence system that the Israeli defense force is using, uh, to select their targets in advance, uh, not to get into that. Uh, but the name of the program is called has, has Bora. And it, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Um, and it means the gospel, but then I found an alternate translation is the savior. Oh. Yeah, and you got to check out that song. It's so crazy. It says, President Joe once had a dream. The world held his hand, gave their pledge, so he told them his scheme for a savior machine. Mm. They called it the prayer. Its answer was law. Its logic stopped war, gave them food, how they adored it till it cried in its boredom. Please don't believe in me. Please disagree with me. Life is too easy. A plague seems quite feasible now, or maybe a war, or I may kill you all. And that uh, was uh, that album, uh, David Bowie, The Man Who Sold the World, is the album that's on, released in 1970, where wow. he's calling out President Joe once had a dream as the opening lyric of that, which is, uh, I find a little creepy. I find yeah. it a little creepy too because it makes me think about Joe Biden. It's like, oh man, we're well, living in a wild Also, time. if you remember, uh, David Bowie, uh, before he was David Bowie, had an alter ego. His stage name was Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, and Ziggy, Ziggy Stardust, right, was a you know sort of a I don't know an intergalactic you yeah. know weirdo kind of kind of thing. So like uh, With the spiders, perhaps perhaps David Bowie was a time traveler. Yeah, that's you, entirely possible. You I mean, could, could theorize the future. that. I'm just saying, if he's calling out President Joe in a song yeah. from 1970, which had to be written before that, yeah. uh, is is Joe Biden the only President Joe? I mean, I don't know. I there have no idea. Could be some like other president sure. in the world. I think up until now we haven't had one, but yeah, uh, maybe in the first of so-called AI, and then one one more verse. Don't let me stay. My logic says burn, so send me away. 
your minds are too green. I despise all I've seen. You can't stake your lives on a savior machine. Tim. And I'll show that dying is living beyond reason, sacred dimension of time. I perceive every sign. I can steal every mind. That is and, uh, uh, the thing that that makes me think of is you can actually store information on DNA now. Right. Yeah. We did a couple of stories on that when when that first broke as the news where um, and like a lot of data too, not just a little like you can store, you know, uh, more than terabytes of data oh, wow. uh, in your DNA. And so That's like incredible, like you literally in the future, not this moment but very near future you'll be able to do like cold storage of cryptocurrency in your dna so you could just carry around your value with you wherever you go uh cold storage style which means offline so that's pretty neat right and there's something called the internet of i think internet of bodies or internet of Uh, Basically, it goes down to the cellular level because there's nanotechnology that exists and uh, also something called smart dust, and there's a bit of overlap, and they can actually be used together. Uh, But a mesh network can be created, and data can be monitored uh, ostensibly for medical means, you know, or, or you know, there's all of these. It's called a dual-use technology, Mm -hmm. so it can be used in the medical field and, you know, uh, but also as a weapon. So just some food for thought. Tim, thank you so much for the call, man. We appreciate you. 603-283-6160. Interestingly enough, it looks like, uh, I didn't know this, but Kurt Cobain did a cover of this song, uh, as well as a cover of mm, The Man Who Sold the World. Yeah. Uh, so, And I don't think that the uh, cover of this was ever released. But I'll look into that more. Free Talk Live, hour number three is coming up. Stay tuned. We've got more in store for you. normal i don't know if you guys uh, are aware of this i'm i'm not a normal human being I, I don't even know what normal is sometimes i do things that you know might be considered normal human being things but um <laughs> uh you know i don't try to be normal <laughs> you know it's not it's not something that i'm like oh my gosh this is what normal people are doing this is what i should do too right it's not uh, it's not something i get into i assume you guys are the same yeah, I'm not into trying to be normal either. <laughs> Sounds boring. I think um, when I was a kid, like when I was a teenager, you know, like angsty teenager, whatever, yeah. I was like adamantly trying to be different than everyone else. You know what I mean? And I kind of like naturally was different. 
So I think I took that and ran. I'm like, I'm not I'm clearly not going to fit in with these people. Yeah. So I'm just going to be as different as possible. And like, that's how I'm going to get attention. So that was kind of like my mindset as uh, a teenager, which is like a very like punk. Yeah. Thing. I did. To, I to did do, similar I thing. I, I mean, I fell into a subculture, which was yeah. the uh, the burgeoning brand new uh, thrash metal scene. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, it was stuff that nobody had ever heard before. And like now. The stuff I grew up listening to is played on like the classic metal station, oh, which God. is a yeah. new category of music. Classic metal, because before, cla- I mean, metal, like, I, I guess uh, to me, classic metal would be like Black Sabbath, I guess. Maybe, Kinda. maybe um, like Iron Maiden, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? But like anything after that, it's like, oh, that's oh, so, classic. So this that past summer, I was doing makes some, me feel old. I was doing some uh, work on my property and. Yeah, I had a couple people over, and uh, I have my own like Pandora station that has like my favorite uh, curated like thrash metal and yeah. heavy metal, doom metal, you know, whatever. I got a bunch of my favorite stuff on that station, but like uh, I don't often play like the stuff that was popular. Yeah, uh, like when I was growing up, and by popular I mean like a lot of the stuff I listened to got zero airplay for a long time. Yeah, uh, but like you mean, like the hair metal. No, I hated because that's hair what metal. was popular, hated especially. But in this area, still today, like '80s hair metal is super oh popular um, as far as in like I'm the New England area. They co-opted the word metal. That's just pop metal. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. it's yeah. Probably right. definitely pop metal for sure. Um, but uh, so I discovered a a canned station. That's one that isn't curated by an individual that Pandora themselves curates called Classic Metal. Oh wow! And so I just put it on while we were doing some some work, some painting inside of a uh, a building, and uh, oh here. Oh look! It's Ozzy Osbourne. It's Pantera. It's yeah, you know Metallica. Yeah, those sounds it's, like classic. You know yeah. all, all that kind of Iron Maiden, uh, yeah. some Black Sabbath, uh, that kind of a thing. Yeah, popular radio and, and I'm like, stuff. Oh, this is where all the like good music is. And then I looked at the name of the station. And I'm like, oh, classic <laughs> no, <yeah>. metal. <laughs> classic that's like oh man you guys it's like calling it oldies like oldies yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's the new oldies oh apparently is well they were metal. um I know. One of my old coworkers from my last nursing job, he was all offended because they were they had like dad rock station yep. and it was all like nineties like grunge and alternative. Oh. And he was like, Hey and then he was like, Wait, I I, I am a dad <laughs> And then he's like, oh, man, I feel really old all here's, of a sudden. Here, here's a thing that um, I'm, I'm warning all you youngsters about out there. Nikki, I think you're the youngest one in the studio. Yeah. Yep. Um, I didn't expect this, uh, but it's happening to me now. Okay. So I grew up listening to the thrash metal, right? Subculture, right? I, I, I hated pop music at the time. Yeah. Uh, Cindy Lauper. Madonna. And Mike, McDonough. Sorry, that's what I call her. <laughs> you know, one billion served. Oh, oh man! Jeez, <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, but what's happening to me now is, um, at some point, like more music came out that wasn't like the stuff that I was, you know, uh, the '90s came around basically. Yeah, and like a bunch of bands that I thought were like crappy bands, uh, um, Disturbed, yeah, uh, Stained, um, yeah. Uh, I, I can't name all of them off the top of my head, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm just like, drift, I'm just like uh, yeah. all right. So what's happening to me now is these bands uh, that came out, uh, you know, sort of after, you know, they were newer, sort of the, the next generation uh, of rock and roll and heavy metal and grunge and that kind of stuff uh, came out. 
And I'm like, oh, these crappy bands. Uh, I'm just not going to listen to them. And so I didn't. Well, now, like, these guys are having, like, reunion tours yes. and, like, 20th anniversary. And It's like, weird to think about. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, oh, come on. Really? Why? Like, I thought I was done with these guys. Yeah. I no, thought I'd never back. have to hear them again. So like, they're we're back. back. Yeah. yeah. Stained and those bands were, like, my bands when I was a teenager. Yeah. I actually didn't listen to a lot of rock and stuff like that growing up. I really gravitated toward the traditional Scottish music scene. Ooh. I, nice. I guess for me, I was a little untraditional in the sense that I liked traditional Scottish music. I like bagpipes. Yeah. And, you know, it, I'm just a little different than most people, I guess. Hey, whatever whatever trips you trigger, man. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not trying to disparage anybody else's taste. I'm just yeah. you know, expressing that my taste didn't gravitate right. towards these bands. Also, that's a factor of age, too. The interesting dynamic with human beings and music is... For whatever reason, uh, you get into music, you know, as a youth, and then at some point you stop getting into new music, and like everything past that is no longer your music. It's a it's a human dynamic that's as old as time. Uh, like my parental units were into like doo-wop rock, right? The, yeah. the 50s sound and stuff, right? Some of my uh, parental units were into uh, like my grandparent units. Uh, they were into like big band and swing music, yeah. right? That was their music. They didn't yeah. understand this new fandangled rock yeah. and roll, right? The Elvis and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But then like the next generation was all about like the Beatles, the Elvis yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And the generation after that was all about like the hippie music and then, you know, the new rock and roll music, the Zeppelins and the Floyds yeah. and all that kind of stuff came after that. And then heavy metal was introduced, right? And that was sort of the rebellious, you know, anti music that all the parents hated. Right, you know, and yeah. now it's classic. Yeah. It's classic. My so. mom has this theory that um, people are always, most people are really into music that was popular when they were in high school. So, right. like, whatever you were listening to in high school, you kind of carry that with you for the rest of your right. life. Yeah. So, she loves to point it out. She's like, see? So, um, one of the things that uh, I don't like a lot is uh, these, these bars, uh, if you will. You know, places where they serve alcohol, but they'll play like music, right? Uh, and they'll have like a DJ and they'll have 80s night. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like I accidentally uh, found myself uh, in a bar uh, that was having 80s night. There was nothing up that said it. Apparently it's just the thing they do like on a Tuesday or whatever, right? In, yeah. I wandered it for food, right? I went in yeah. and have some food. This is in the Seattle area. I wandered in, had some food. I saw some people setting some gear up. I'm like, oh, they're going to have some music later. It didn't occur to me to ask, you know. And so I'm just about finished with my meal anyway. But, like, you know, all of a sudden in walks, like, people in costume. And and I don't mean, like, it's not Halloween, right? I mean, they are dressing up as if it were the 80s to come to 80s night. Oh, wow. Right? Yes. So they've, yeah. they've used, you know, three cans of Aquanet to make their hair stand four feet tall. <laughs> you know, they're wearing, you know, way too much jewelry, you know, seven things in their ear and, you know, bracelets from their wrist up to their armpits and, you know, that kind of thing. All the classic 80s looks um, that they don't wear on a daily basis. Yeah. Right, they don't go to work looking like that. But that's fun, though, right? Yeah. They get to like oh, yeah. relive their their youth or whatever. I just it just so something tells me that when you say '80s night, you're not talking about like they're listening to like old Slayer or <laughs> no. Anthrax, right? No, no, that wasn't no. what they were playing. Because like, technically, that is '80s music, right? They listen to like <laughs> Poison 
and Warrant yeah. and Winger. All the uh, crappy bands that Beavis and Butthead no made fun of. No Motorhead. <laughs> no But then also like 80s pop, right? Yeah. We already mentioned yeah. McDonough yeah. and Lopper and those yeah. types of things. Uh, and just like some of those or songs. like Tears for Fears. Man, when I hear some of those songs, it just gives me a... Uh, like a pit in my stomach feeling just like oh god i'm gonna puke right i just i'm it's just how i feel about it right yeah. the 80s like part of it was that the 80s were like sort of the dawn of like digital music and so they started using the, like, samples super techno too though like they're, very but electronic but like in a bad way robotic and just like they sampled the crappiest tones yeah. to reuse over and over. Yeah. They have no dynamic yeah. whatsoever. Anyway, before we go on, uh, Free Talk Live is brought to you by ForkFest, happening June 13th through 16th at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. ForkFest is decentralized, so there's no ticket cost, and no one is in charge. For more information and to connect with other attendees, you can visit the unofficial website, forkfest.party that's forkfest.party uh riley you are a new mover to new hampshire yes i moved back in july so i guess technically i'm a new mover so uh are you coming to porkfest forkfest i don't know i i would like to go back to utah to visit family so i don't know okay all right well keep us updated okay we'd love to have you yeah um but uh for our listeners out there please uh, attend forkfest uh, because I'll be there. Come party with me. I'll be there. Come party with us. Yeah. Sounds like a good time. Um, I'm not really sure which story to grab here. I think we're going to go with... Uh, you guys, uh, uh, you, you both get online, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you see the memes, you scroll through the social. Uh, and there's oftentimes people who... Uh, I don't know, like like make fun of people online for for challenging the official narrative, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Or oh, suddenly you're a biologist. What do you know? Yeah. Right? You Where's your, your doctorate? Just because you can Google something doesn't yeah. mean you're smarter than the doctor, right? Yeah. yeah it's kinda, this this appeal to authority logical fallacy that people love to trot out. So this from Fortune.com. 32-year-old blogger's research forces Harvard Medical School affiliate to retract six papers and correct another 31. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. So a blogger is actually making researchers correct things. Who says we can't look things up? Allegations of research fakery at a leading cancer center have turned a spotlight on scientific integrity and the amateur sleuths uncovering image manipulation in published research. Dana Farber Cancer Institute, a Harvard Medical School affiliate, announced January 22nd that it's requesting retractions and corrections of scientific papers after a British blogger flagged problems in early January. Hmm. The blogger, 32-year-old Sholto David of Pontypridd, Wales, is a scientist sleuth who detects cut-and-paste image manipulation in published scientific papers. He's not the only hobbyist poking through pixels. So, first of all, this guy's a hobbyist. He's not getting paid for doing it. Yeah. Yep. Right? And I think that's key, too. I think people who are genuine, real, genuinely really, really interested in a topic. Because yeah. I even see, like, mom bloggers like this online about, like, vaccines, 
um, anything just regarding like kids and childcare, something that they're really, really interested in, yeah. they will do like very, very thorough research. Like they are leaving no stone unturned. And the best part about them is they're not getting paid. So they're, you know, a lot of these doctors and scientists are being paid off by various pharmaceutical companies, right. politicians, you know, whatever. Right. Um, Right, they favor so, either a certain uh, drug or a certain treatment yeah. based on who's giving them the best deal, who will yeah. make their their doctor's office the most money, uh, et cetera, and so on. So, other champions of scientific integrity are keeping researchers and science journals on their toes. They use special software, oversized computer monitors, and their eagle eyes to find flipped, duplicated, and stretched images, along with potential plagiarism. And uh, before I go on, I just want to point out, uh, somebody said this to me uh, recently, and I think I also saw it in a meme somewhere, but um, the people experiencing the thing are generally more of an expert than the people looking into whatever the thing might yeah, be. Right. I mean, that would make sense, right? right. Um, and, and like, uh, this is anecdotal evidence of this. Uh, there's a, a, a author, blogger uh, called Tim Ferriss who uh, put together um, his own sort of version of the keto diet, right? Uh, But what he did is he went around and just asked people uh, what worked for them. How did they get results, right? And then he, you know, put those all together into a big chart and, like, he's like, okay, well, here's the top 10 things that work, you know, for most people. And he put together a diet uh, based on that. And then people who were having a hard time with whatever diets or doctors were putting them on or whatever, they would try this diet and they would lose. Well. So, like. And we're noticing that, I mean, like, look at the, first off, let's look at the USDA food pyramid. I mean, especially if you're talking about keto, which we know is a lot more healthy than, like, the standard American diet. I mean, the bulk of the food pyramid, they want you to eat so much grains and glutens and bread all of which are not only really high calorie, empty calories, they're yeah. they're basically void of real nutrients. Yeah. They end up being sugar anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And right. they actually, so like not only do they make you fat, but they make people incredibly unhealthy. Yeah. And these things are being, you know, researched by like the alternative scientists mm-hmm. and people are just noticing. They're like, when I cut out pasta and gluten and all these really like dense, you know, uh, high calorie foods. Yeah. And opt for like a higher fat, you know, more nutritious, uh, nutrient dense diet with higher, like higher in meats, which they tell you the the USDA tells you not to do. Right. Right. Um, But that's where people are really seeing results where they're losing weight, but they're also healthier. People are literally curing their diseases, diseases where like, you know, it's like, oh, well, yeah, you're a diabetic, so you're going to have to take insulin or whatever. Mm-hmm. People are curing not only like physical ailments like that, but I've heard of people curing like, you know, reversing some symptoms of like Alzheimer's and dementia, yep. bipolar, depression. Like people are literally curing themselves, mind and body yeah. with food. And it's not what the, the USDA food right. pyramid, it's not all that crap that's on there. I find it interesting that people are able to reverse or, or try and cure some things just by diet. I mean, that should say a lot about the food we're consuming. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it can either be medicine or it can it can kill you. You know, it's either yeah. going to heal you or it's going to kill you. Um, and it's the easiest, cheapest. I mean, we all have to eat, right? Right, <laughs> yeah. So it's like instead of, you know, going through all of these 
really expensive therapies and medicines. And maybe that's why, you know, the doctors and the scientists don't necessarily want people to be consuming a truly healthy diet because they can't monetize that. Right. Yeah. It's not a healthcare system. It's a uh, subscription based uh, health program. Uh, not even health price. It's just a subscription-based medical program. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. They want to create subscribers. They don't want to get you healthy. right? They want you paying every month for your medications. They you got to come back more and more. Right. Uh, so at any rate, uh, going back to this story, uh, this hobbyist apparently has caused some mm, corrections to be issued in some scientific papers and whatnot. Uh, at a, a look at the situation at Dana-Farber and the sleuths hunting sloppy errors and outright fabrications. In a January 2nd blog, Sholto David presented suspicious images from more than 30 published papers by four Dana-Farber scientists, including CEO Lori Glimcher and COO William Hahn. Many images appeared to have duplicated segments that would make the scientists' results look stronger. Deception, mm. anyone? Mm-hmm. The papers under scrutiny involve lab research on the workings of cells. One involved samples from bone marrow from human volunteers. The blog post included problems spotted by David and other previously exposed by sleuths on something called PubPeer. That's a site that allows anonymous comments on scientific papers. That's great. I think crowdsourcing that stuff is great. Yeah. Um, because, like, sometimes a different set of eyes, regardless of their training, yeah. will, will get you better results. Uh, student journalists at the Harvard Crimson covered the story on January 12th, followed by reports in other news media. Sharpening the attention was the recent plagiarism investigation involving former Harvard president Claudine Gay, who resigned earlier this year. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Uh, how did Dana-Farber respond? Uh, Dana-Farber said it already had been looking into some of the problems before the blog post. Uh Uh-huh. Sure they were. By January 22nd, the institution said it was in the process of requesting six retractions of public public research and that another 31 papers warranted corrections. Wow. I'm actually shocked that... um, They're issuing retractions? (laughs) Yeah. And that this is coming kind of based off of just... A normal person, yeah. just who's just reporting things. I mean, I I honestly but think this right. is great. They're into it. They're passionate about the yeah. subject, right? And so, like, there's nothing worse than a professional that's not passionate about whatever it is they're doing. Yeah, yeah it's like not, why bother? It's if you're not passionate about what you do, then why do it exactly? Yeah, yeah like you're not going to be, you know, like groundbreaking in your fields if yeah, you don't actually care. Going through the motions and be like, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, just here. Like the simplest example. uh, uh, because I, I can speak relatively eloquently, at least by way of comparison, um, in the jobs that I've had, uh, everybody always wants to put me in sales. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that guy'd be great at sales. I hate sales. <laughs> I hate doing sales. Like, yeah. I do not enjoy the job. To me, it's a soul-sucking activity. Oh, for uh, sure. Uh, you know, this is my personal opinion. But I know people who love doing sales, and they're great at and it. And they would probably make more money than you would in sales. They do. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and, so, but because they're passionate about yeah. it, they're they're into it, right? They they give it a better effort. They have better results because they're into it. So yeah. it's important to have that. Um, I know of companies that would take, um, like I worked for a uh, a sport camera company, kind of like GoPro, but they were number two for a while. 
and they had uh, what we like to call a super fan, some guy who would get on the uh, the forums and the blogs and the social media and just help people out because he was a super fan. He knew a lot about the products. Yeah. And so the company ended up hiring this guy. That's awesome. He never asked for the job. Yeah. It's just that like one day they reached out to him and were like, Hey, you're already kind of doing this. Yeah. Uh, can we, you know, give you a couple of more responsibilities, some official logins, and like pay you to like continue this on? And he was like, yeah. "Sure, that's a nice way to get a job. That's for sure." Yeah, like, um, if you're out there and you're looking for a job, you want to get into like a field, just show up. Like, it doesn't even matter if yeah. you have like the. I mean, it'll matter. Like, if you're trying to be a surgeon, well, okay, yeah, you, you might know, need like, to go to med school or whatever. But, like, but, like, um, I, I've told this story before. There's a guy who wanted to work for NASA, didn't have any college education, couldn't afford to go to college, but he just showed up at the front door of a, a NASA uh, office uh, and, like, would introduce himself, hand a resume to people, that kind of a thing. And and he was just tenacious. He just mm-hmm. kept showing up. Eventually, somebody was like, hey, look, man, you know, we obviously can't put you in, like, the control room or whatever, right? But we got a janitorial position open. We got a mailroom position. And he was like, sure. And he ended up working for NASA just because he showed up. Yeah, and that's important. Showing up is really important. 603-283-6160. We got more about this, these retractions from a blogger on Harvard Medical School affiliate research papers coming up. Plus, your calls and thoughts and more. It's Free Talk Live. Together, man, what's up with that? It's late. At, You're our captain. Come it's, on. It's late at Sunday night. Wait, <laughs> late at night on Sunday? I can't even speak now. Is it the end of the week or the beginning of the week? <laughs> Captain's been broken. Uh, well, I'm not really broken. Oh, I just might be a little tired. All right, that's that's, that's possible. <laughs> just momentary uh, lapse. I'm a little tired too, but it, you know, it is simultaneously both the end of the week and the beginning of the week. Okay. Yes. My vote it's is Schro- always for Schro- end. It's Schrodinger's day. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You've heard of Schrodinger's immigrant? Simultaneously too lazy to work, but also taking your jobs. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, before we go on, I have to say thank you to Lynette Warren. Lynette is a silver level amplifier. What does it mean to be an amplifier? Well, you can visit amps.freetalklive.com. Amps stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. Uh, it's a it's a Patreon type of setup. Lynette uh, is a silver amplifier, which means she gives five bucks a month. What does that five dollars a month go to? You might ask. Well, we're on somewhere around two hundred radio stations now. Uh, we could be on two hundred fifty, three hundred, three hundred fifty stations. Not out of the question. Uh, it's all up to you. If you believe in the message of freedom, peace, liberty, and prosperity, please consider becoming an amplifier over at amps.freetalklive.com. If you enjoy the show, the hosts, the co-hosts, the callers. Uh, please consider becoming an amplifier over at amps. 
www.freetalklive.com. There's different levels. We only ask for five. You can give more. We have people who give much more than the five, and that's fine. You get different little perks for you know the amount of giving that you do, and uh, we think it's your best use of your Liberty dollar. So please visit amps.freetalklive.com. Thank you again to Lynette Warren. We appreciate you. Thank you for your contribution. All right. So we were talking about this 32-year-old blogger uh, whose research uh, has forced Harvard Medical School affiliate to retract six papers and correct another 31. Uh, he's found uh, images that are, you know, duplicates. Uh, they've been, you know, altered in some way, shape, or form, and some even designed to make the research look more compelling than it actually is. Uh, the Dana Farber said it had already been looking into some of the problems, uh, and but are issuing six retractions, and uh, they're doing corrections on another thirty-one papers because of uh, amateurs like this person. Retractions are serious when a journal retracts an article that usually means the research is so severely flawed that the findings are no longer reliable. So six of them. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a few. I mean, and that's concerning because we, we assume, we hope that the scientific process is rather rigorous and writing papers is rather rigorous because you got to go through peer review, check it once or twice or three times. Yeah. Rough draft, final draft, all these things, but mm-hmm. yet all these papers have to be well, rejected. Well, I mean, but like science is always changing it too, yeah. right? So, I mean, it's so, so it it would be one thing if this was just like, oh, they accidentally did some things or maybe data, there's, you know, new, new findings, science is developing, whatever. But it sounds like the things that they're correcting were um, whoever is writing these articles are being knowing knowingly deceptive it sounds right so they're they're editing photos they're they're doing things to kind of get their point across in a non-genuine way is what it sounds like yeah which is definitely a problem i mean it's one thing to make an honest mistake it's one thing you know like new new science comes out but it's another thing to be knowingly deceptive that being said if i am uh this harvard affiliate uh or affiliates you know depending on how the story turns out um I might just like ask to employ this guy, you know, depending on if he has a career, you know, whatever. I mean, this guy's an amateur blogger and he's, you know, found this stuff. So um, Dr. Barrett Rollins, research integrity officer at Dana-Farber, said in a statement, following the usual practice at Dana-Farber to review any potential data error and make corrections when warranted, the institution and its scientists already have taken prompt and decisive action in 97% of the cases that have been flagged by blogger Schultel David. So who are the sleuths? California microbiologist Elizabeth Bick, 57, has been sleuthing for a decade. Based on her work, scientific journals have retracted 1,133 articles. Wow. They've corrected 1,017 others and printed 153 expressions of concern, according to a spreadsheet where she tracks what happens after she reports problems. She has found doctored images of bacteria, cell cultures, and Western blots, a lab technique for detecting proteins. Science should be about finding the truth, Bick told the Associated Press. She published an analysis in the American Society for Microbiology in 2016. Of more than 20,000 peer-reviewed papers, nearly 4% had image problems. About half 
where the manipulation seemed intentional, Mm. as as you guys have both sort of alluded to. Bixwork brings donations from Patreon subscribers of about $2,300 per month and occasional honoraria from speaking engagements. David told AP his Patreon income recently picked up to $216 per month. Wow. Technology has made it easier to root out image manipulation and plagiarism, said Ivan Aransky, who teaches medical journalism at the New York University, and co-founded the Retraction Watch blog. The sleuths download scientific papers and use software tools to help find problems. Others doing the investigative work remain anonymous and post their findings under pseudonyms. Together they have changed the equation, quote-unquote, in scientific publication, Aransky said. They want science to be and do better, and they are frustrated by how uninterested most people in academia and certainly in publishing are in correcting the record. They're also concerned about the erosion of public trust in science. So uh, there's just a little bit more here. Bick said some mistakes could be sloppy errors where images were mislabeled or somebody just grabbed the wrong photo. Okay, human error. That's entirely possible, sure. But some images are obviously altered with sections duplicated, rotated, or flipped. Hmm. Scientists building their careers or seeking tenure face pressure to get published. Some may intentionally falsify data, knowing that the process of peer review, when a journal sends a manuscript to experts for comments, is unlikely to catch fakery. At the end of the day, the motivation is to get published, Aransky said. When the images don't match the story you're trying to tell, you beautify them. Like, okay, if you're writing fiction, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but right. But you're writing a scientific paper. You can't just beautify things. What happens next? Scientific journals investigate errors brought to their attention, but usually keep their processes confidential until they take action with a retraction or a correction. Some journals told the AP they are aware of concerns raised by David's blog post and were looking into the matter. So... Uh, yeah, you know, where did you get your degree in science? Right? I mean, to be fair, these are some smart people who, you know, I mean, are passionate <laughs> about their field of work. Oh, yeah. Yes. It sounds like it. Are you talking about the scientists or the, the, the bloggers? The bloggers, yeah. yeah the, okay. the, oh, the, the bloggers so, definitely um, are passionate. Yeah. I mean, they're they're looking through papers and reading them. And, and yeah. this is the thing, like, after, I feel like a lot of people, especially when it comes to, like, medical doctors, right? A lot of people put them on a pedestal. Like, they are some geniuses. They could never be wrong. It's like, how dare you question these authority figures? Like, they're way smarter than you. They went to school for 10 years, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I've worked with doctors as a nurse. I've seen doctors make honest mistakes. They're human beings. I've seen doctors do things that are so dumb that even the nurses on the unit, like, warned them against, like, please don't do this. They still did the thing, and it resulted in uh, awful results for the patient where the person you know, almost died. I've seen this with my own eyes, yeah, right? Yeah. So I've seen doctors make honest mistakes, and I've also seen them just be, like, super dangerous and negligent, right? Mm-hmm. Huh. So that, I kind of, I, I never really felt like these authority figures were, like, so much, like, like godlike. I never really saw them that way. Yeah. But after working with doctors... Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, other people as well, like, you know, just even like studying politics. It's like these people like really are they're just normal people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're normal people yeah. who have you know gained some knowledge doing some studying or whatever and working in various fields. But they're still normal people. 
Uh, exactly. So to, to to make it seem like, you know, I'm some idiot in comparison and I like, how dare I question the narrative? How dare I question, you know, all of these things that, you know, some pediatrician is saying is is safe and, you know, best practice. It's yeah. like, yeah, well, they were also giving women x-rays in pregnancy, mm-hmm. you know, before they invented the ultrasound. Right. So it's like, okay, science in, in medical technology is always developing. And it's like things that we used to think were safe now are widely accepted as like that was not good. Yeah. So I, I just, it, it just seems really irresponsible to not question the narrative. And it seems irresponsible to not do any of your own research and to just blindly right. trust these quote unquote experts. I think well, the problem comes when we trust these so called experts all the time. And like Nikki was saying, it's important to question everything. Question reality, question authority, think for yourself, question authority. Is what uh Timothy Leary said, think for yourself, question authority. I think questioning authority is how he gets to the position of what is true, what is not. Scientists back in the day used to question authority, the the right. Catholic Church or whatever. Yeah. To determine what is really going on in the universe. And I think that's important to remember. We have to remember that every time we ask questions, we're going to get answers. And we have to be willing to ask questions that may go against the narrative at times. Yeah, questions should be the default for anyone involved in uh, medical science in general. Uh, like, that's that's where all science has come from, is asking questions about things. Yeah. Uh, there's a term that exists in the medical industry that uh, everybody knows, but like a lot of people don't use. It's called a second opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right. right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Nikki, uh, there's a television show that y- if you haven't seen it, you might be interested in. Uh, there's two seasons now. It's called Dr. Death. It is uh, it's very compelling. Uh, it, each season focuses on, uh, a, a st- you know, based on a true story. Uh, some doctor who causes a lot of people to die, and, yeah. and they go through the story of. Is why. it a true story? Uh, both of them, yes. Okay. Yes, I mean they're, you know, because there was a gentleman they're who fict- was. They're, they're not. They're not fictional. They're produced, right? So there's yeah. actors playing the yeah, parts, yeah, yeah. and there's a but, script. But and there all that was kind of stuff. a gentleman. I forget if he was from like Boston or where he was from, but it was some doctor in the United States who they coined Dr. Death yes. because he was just so like blatantly negligent and like very dangerous and killed a bunch of people. So this is a, a, a television season. There's two seasons now, a television show, two seasons now. Uh, the first one, I believe, is what you're talking about. And the second one is like another doctor. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm sure of, there's plenty of sort them. Sort of similarly yeah. happened. So. Um, but yeah, they, they go through that. And like it, it makes you wonder, too, because these people are humans. A, a lot of people, they go to the hospital and they think, oh, the doctors know what they're doing. Well, maybe. Like, how do you know? You know, how do you know how much yeah. they had to drink last night? You know, how, how hungover are they when they yeah. perform whatever procedure they're performing on you? You know, um, so if you don't do your own research, you're just b- putting blind faith into another human being. Yeah. You know, particularly when it comes to like your own health and procedures and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I encourage people to, uh, you know, learn as you go. I know uh, many doctors get frustrated when when a patient sort of tries to, uh, you know, uh, diagnose themselves, yeah. you know, that kind of a thing. But who knows themselves better than you? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people nowadays outsource a lot of um, 
Just uh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so like a lot of like the self-responsibility, yep. um, anything to do with their health care. I mean, like everything is outsourced. And I do think that when people, a lot of people are super disconnected from themselves, right? So you would assume, yeah, you're in your own body. No one knows what you are feeling and what you are going through as, as, as much as you do. Right. But I think so many people are just so used to to outsourcing to doctors and, and, and just everybody in general that they they kind of lose a little bit of that intuition. Um, they, they really do. And it comes back to this whole idea of you have to, like, for example, a lot of people trust their religious leaders to tell them the truth about the afterlife or what some supposed God wants for their lives, but they never question. And, you know, people follow this habit of questioning because... It's easier to go along with the narrative and the doctors and the, the the authority figures because then you don't have to ask the questions. Then you can just like, okay, I'll do whatever that man or woman says or that that authority figure says. It's just easier to go along to get along. So, uh, segue. Whiplash segue. Don't hurt your neck. I'll try not to. Billionaires reveal doping Olympics plan. Oh, oh boy. So uh, you guys know that in most professional sports, PEDs, performance enhancing drugs, yeah. are mm-hmm. are frowned upon, banned. Uh, can get yep. you kicked out, ruin careers, uh, lives, and you know that kind of stuff, right? Well, these guys want to go the other direction. Uh, the enhanced games, backed by a bunch of Silicon Valley VIPs, bills itself as the Olympics of the future. PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel is among a handful of tech billionaires bankrolling the Enhanced Games, a privately funded sporting contest that encourages doping and transhumanist-inspired upgrades. Mm-hmm. According that could be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, like, like I, you know, steroids have been around forever, right? As far as like bodybuilding and yeah. you know all that kind of stuff. So, like, I mean, dudes can get pretty huge pretty quickly, you know, and like. The more that that has existed, uh, you know, sort of the the techniques have become refined and like, you know, you can minimize the damage it's going to do to you and stuff like that. Um, But apparently they posted about this on Twitter uh, uh, and they have an official account uh, for the games on, uh, let's see, when was this? Just this past Tuesday. Venture capitalist Christian Angermeyer and former Coinbase CTO Batal Srinivasan were also named as contributors to the game's investor circle. The funding round yielded enough capital to pay for the first edition of the games, founder Australian venture capitalist Aaron D'Souza told the New York Post on Tuesday. However, D'Souza declined to reveal the absolute total raised, merely stating that it was in the high single-digit millions. Wow. wow. So, what, eight, nine million? Is that what we're talking about? Sounds like it. Thiel reported plans to provide more details regarding his investment in April and will promote the games during the real Olympics. <laughs> oh, wow. That'd be, that'd be interesting to have enhanced Olympics right next to the real Olympics. So this is different than the Florida Man Olympics? Yes. <laughs> yes. Although... Are steroids allowed in the Florida Man Olympics, I wonder? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. The Palantir CEO himself is an avid doper, taking human growth hormone hormone and metformin for muscle building and anti-aging purposes, respectively. It's weird to take metformin for that, but okay. What is metformin? It's a diabetes drug. 
Yeah. Keeps your blood sugar low. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I think it helps people lose weight too, I would assume. Probably lose fat, right? Because the, Yeah, probably the, fat. Like yeah. the HGH and steroids are generally for building muscle. Yep. And so it stands the reason that if you could take something to reduce yeah, your so fat. Yeah, so I guess it would be a good it, it'll, combination. I'm just thinking out loud. Here. Yeah, yeah. I, I know none I, of I'm this. I'm sure. Yeah, but I'm sure that's probably the, the idea. I'm not a medical professional. Nikki, you're closer to that than I am. Um, but he hopes to be cryogenically frozen before death. Well, this guy's just really, you know, going for it. Like, on, on some level, like, this is expected, right? This, like, people are like, some people are like anti-transhumanism. Like, we don't want to enhance the humans. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay, so nature does that sort of by itself already. It's called evolution. Yep. Right? There are evolutionary processes at work every day. Yeah. Uh, So, and I've said this before, I sort of predict that uh, human beings are going to divide into two uh, separate um, factions, if you will. And I don't mean Democrat and Republican. I mean regular humans or, you know, we'll call them natural humans, and then the transhumans, right? And I don't mean... Didn't they already do that? I don't mean humans that are trans. I mean, <laughs> like, enhanced humans, right? So we'll yeah. have natural humans, so Robots. to speak. And, and enhanced cyborgs, humans. Cyborgs, right? Yeah, could, the cyborgs. Could be up to yeah. that. Like, uh, how about just supplemental Borg, right? Like, you know, oh, I have a robot arm. Well, they already... Right? Maybe this was... I don't know if this was a real thing, so I don't even know if I should say this, but I saw that... Um, Elon Musk, his Neuralink thing. I think they just had the first person. They did. They did. I'm like, I can't remember if this was the Babylon Bee or if this really happened. I had a story for that oh, in yeah. show prep, but I didn't. I didn't bring yeah. it up for today. Uh, okay, I'm glad it was real and I wasn't just starting rumors. Real. What are you, Tim from Florida? Oh, please, <laughs> <laughs> not again. Um, yeah, I haven't. I haven't delved into it either. And you know, I kind of figured that everybody else would be talking about that. You know, so I mean, if y'all want to cover it on, you know, later on in the week, yeah, we'll Wednesday, see. Thursday, or something, feel free. Uh, several cities are currently in talks to host the games. D'Souza claimed, predicting the first competition will take place by the middle of next year, uh, using existing sporting facilities and attempt to avoid the taxpayer-funded bonanza of construction that typically occurs when cities compete to host the Olympics. Well, yeah, I mean, like. If there's an empty thing that will hold enough people for you to host this thing and you don't have to build it, why wouldn't you? Yeah. If you want to go roller skating, you don't get a bunch of people together and get a bunch of money and be like, hey, let's build a skating rink. Yeah, you just go use somebody else's rink. Go find someone else's Or you find a building that's suitable for your purposes and use it. At any rate, in addition to taking performance-enhancing drugs, Athletes are encouraged to use so-called performance technology, like polyurethane swimming supersuits, banned by FINA in 2010 after they were used to break 55 world records hmm. in a single year. D'Souza justified the idea of allowing athletes to take drugs out in the open and honestly by claiming that 44% of Olympians admit to using banned substances while only 1% get caught. Wow. Wow. I thought they tested everybody for it or did... I mean, they they do supposedly. Huh. So does the NFL, but like every now and again, some yeah. guy like you know smoked a joint when he shouldn't have, and you know he'll get suspended for a while or whatever. Um, he cast his pro doping outlook as a stand for medical freedom, telling the Post individuals should be able to make choices about their body, 
and no one, whether it's a sports federation or a government, should be able to tell them what to do about it. Yay! Yay. Yay. Exactly. That's that's the whole point, is we, we don't need a group of strangers telling us what we can and can't do with our bodies. Yeah, so currently in, in sports, um, you know, generally the most successful people are... I don't want to say this without sounding insulting, but they're they're the the genetic freaks, right? Yeah, you know they're 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 taller, they're faster, they're stronger, right? They're they're the top, you know, five uh, percent of humanity as far as you know athletics or strength and and that kind of a thing are concerned. So uh, currently, sports is just filtering out for what are already like you know evolutionary uh, oddities. Yeah. Right. And these are the people who are tops in sports. I mean, yeah, there's a reason why most basketball players are like almost seven feet tall. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if somebody who wasn't seven feet tall tried to play basketball with these guys, they probably wouldn't make it very far. Right. Or uh, NFL offensive linemen are all around 300 pounds. Yeah. yeah. You, you know got to be I mean? big guys, be offensive linemen. Yeah. And they are offensive. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to finish a thought I had earlier and I, I forgot it again. <laughs> all right. Well, more article. The investor also pitched his event as a boon to scientific research with athletes as guinea pigs testing which compounds and therapies work for extending human life. And I think that this is an important point here. Um, You don't make progress without innovation. You don't get innovation without competition. You don't get competition unless competition is open. Right. And so, like, I have no problem. If people want to uh, experiment with these drugs and see how you know how big muscles can they get, how high can they jump, how fast can they run, how many jumping jacks, I mean, can they do, whatever it is, yeah, right? people are already doing that, yeah. but they're not allowed right. to compete in these things. So it would be interesting. Like, let's actually put this to the test. Yeah, because right now it's kind of just guys taking steroids and like getting really big at the gym. Right, you know what I mean. But they're not really like necessarily pushing themselves to their limits i suppose like in a competitive sense right we're not getting the data on how accurate the records are going to be and how much faster they're going to be if we're not testing it indeed we are out of time uh thank you for joining me tonight riley thank you nikki thank you to all of our listeners uh and our callers we appreciate you if you missed any part of tonight's program find the archives over at freetalklive.com thanks and peace you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the realtor mark warden now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in new hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime our friends at porcupine real estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by new hampshire citizens reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupine Real Estate.com.